Hello everyone in podcast land, I'm David. And I'm Jono. And this is the podcast where we have the hottest of sauce and the even hotter-er takes. Yeah, because we're gonna wing it! Wing it! Nothing's prepared uh, except the things that are prepared. Yeah. But uh, today we have another treat for you. Do you have a right to have an opinion? Absolutely not. No. Or do you? Yeah, I don't know. David and I, we don't put too much prep into this. Mm-hmm. And literally it was like 6 a.m. Yes. That you and I were talking going, what are we going to talk about today? And it's an important topic. The topic of kind of audience versus critics and review bombing and all these weird takes that are happening in the modern era of online reviews. Everyone has an opinion, but are all of those opinions valid and should we listen to them all? Yeah. Like it's, it kind of stemmed from the last of us episode three. It's the most hottest show right now. It got review bombed. And I feel that is unfair. Super unfair. Yeah. Most review bombing is. But there is genuine reasons to review bomb. And we will talk about that. But first, we are talking about the winging. Now we're going to talk about the winging it, which is wings, chicken, chicken chicken nuggets, nuggets, nuggets sauce. Yeah, (laughs) we're back. Pew, pew, pew. Because we have our really awesome Patreon member, Matthew Mm. Noonan, who sent us not one, not two, but Seven bottles of hot sauce. Big bottles. Still the big boys. We'll have a video up on the Twitter showing you the bottles. Yeah. Uh, And I'm going to take a video of Jono as he samples the first one. Which one? Okay, you have to choose. Well, it's the first one we both saw. Oh, yeah. I think it was... uh, That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kansas City Barbecue Gates. Ooh. Oh, fuck. Holy shit. Mm. Oh, that's really good. If you guys want to watch us eat them, you got to subscribe to the Patreon. Mm, 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 that's going to be the exclusive Patreon killer, <laughs> killer app is us just eating stupid fucking sauces. It's gonna, we're going to be a McBang. Um, McBang. It's a complicated thing figuring out what reviews even mean in 2023. We have now enabled everyone to have a public viewable mm-hmm. opinion. I grew up as a 90s kid and pretty much all the reviews you could see is either through newspapers mm-hmm. or through like television, television, like yeah. Cisco and Ebert would tell yeah. you something and you kind of have to accept it and listen to it. And you kind of go and then you can make a choice to go see it or not. For sure. And pretty much I do understand that reviews is either make or break a piece of media mm-hmm. because even with like a half percent or a half a star could mean difference between a million dollars and a thousand well i remember when movie star ratings were kind of the main way of doing it the difference between a three star and a three and a half star is pretty big like three and a half is like that's a good movie whereas three is like that's a good movie yeah and i find it's gotten harder and harder to navigate what reviews i actually care about and how i decipher the code so when you are going to go watch a movie you're deciding yeah i want to go see this movie what's what do you look at I literally go to three websites, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and then uh, Metacritic. Yep. Like those are the three main ones. Mm-hmm. And then if all those threes were kind of like, no, don't go see it, don't go see it. I will go to Wikipedia oh. and then kind of skim the synopsis, yep. scan the synopsis and just not just enough not to spoil myself. Mm-hmm. And then I will go to critical reception because that is actually like the ultimate aggregator. Totally, I find. it aggregates the aggregator. Or yeah. give me like a 62%, but here's why. Yeah. And Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes are good just to, as their own aggregators too, but 
don't know. Wikipedia just seems nicer, I find. I think that's totally fair. I do about the same thing with movies. I usually go to Rotten Tomatoes first because I like it as a measure of, you know, not how good a movie is or how bad it is, but how many people liked it. Yeah. And I actually think it's really useful. I go to IMDb next, which is usually pretty similar to the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. Yeah. But usually a little more militant. That's where the review armors go is IMDb when they want to make their unhappiness known. And Metacritic's usually a good, wow, this thing has 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. That seems really high. Then you go to Metacritic and it's like 68%. And that's high for a movie. It's very different than gaming. Okay. Yeah. It's a good movie. And usually what I find is I'll kind of touch all points of data and come to a conclusion as to what that means. Yeah. High rating on critic side of Rotten Tomatoes, low audience rating means it's pretentious and stuffy, probably a little bit slow. Yeah. uh, But it's probably a well shot, well thought out movie with very interesting ideas. Yeah. But it's boring. IMDb, I like that website because it is the quote unquote professional website, which is kind of weird. It started off as like who was in what and now. And then you can get the IMDb pro package. (laughs) Yeah. If you want like your agents. Yeah. To be able to share. Which is super weird because it was actually part of my um immigration process really they're like oh can you give me references of what you've done where you're credited from do you have an imdb do you have a wikipedia and uh, immediately when i saw that i'm like can i make an imdb (laughs) can i make a wikipedia page did you apparently wikipedia page is extremely hard really and imdb uh, I just didn't do it because I filled out everything else yeah i was like uh if i have imdb i feel really pretentious Mm -hmm. and you know i'm yeah whatever but yeah like i don't just i like also i use imdb to see who's mean in the movies too yeah for sure that's usually what i use it for sometimes i would look it up for like trivia or random (laughs) random behind the scenes facts i find it's it's been really interesting as the discussion has grown you know audience versus critics and i feel like there's a growing disdain amongst quote-unquote audiences yeah against critics they have like they feel like there's an agenda that critics are trying to share uh, you know, like woke critics or they're like, you know, they're so pretentious. And it's it's interesting having dipped my toe in the critic sides. Yeah. How that's so untrue. <laughs> there's not like a group chat where, you know, everyone's like, oh, this there's not like this feeling of like, oh, I got to make sure that people don't think I'm stupid. It's just the context in which a critic watches a movie and the context in which you someone who waited a couple weeks yeah. and read reviews and saw out a bunch of other opinions and formed yours yeah. and then saw it is drastically different. Yeah. And I think nothing exemplifies that divide more than The Last Jedi. And also, for me, like, I disagree with the critics on Brousseau Brothers' The Grey Man. Like, I really enjoy mm-hmm. that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, critics it, gave it, like, what, 55 on Rotten Tomatoes? 55, like it's 65. I thought, like, those some shots, I'm like, holy shit, like, why did you do this shot? Like, yep. I do not need drone footage like this. <laughs> I just need... Pan of Castle. I don't need the drone going underneath the bridge and going around. Yeah. I this, just, yeah. this is a great example because 46 on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score is 90%. Yeah. So, like, I, I understand there is no school out there will teach you how to be a media critic. Mm-hmm. It, they will teach you how to be a journalist, mm-hmm. and then you just have to keep doing it, doing it, mm-hmm. doing it. And it's just that these people do it at a professional level. Mm-hmm. Like, I would like to say that we are semi-professional oh you're more professional than i have I a little more history of it yeah, yeah sure so like we're i'm getting there oh mm-hmm. you're there it's just the fact that you we consume a lot of media mm-hmm. like every day and so we know the t- kind of little trigger points and we can kind of see the movie before even going in by the trailer mm-hmm. going what kind of movie this is 
and also like seeing oh is this an oscar movie mm-hmm. like did he purposely made this for the academy awards mm-hmm. or did he just make it because they truly love the topic that they're talking about oh for sure and I, it's it's hard the more you review movies and the more you're you're used to breaking down the movies you have watched the harder it is to turn off that part of your brain and you watch a movie with your analytical brain it and it's a very different experience than when you're here to enjoy this movie you are constantly made aware of all the mistakes all the things but then also all the good things and you're just you're seeing the technical side of the movie you're seeing kind of like the building blocks instead of just experiencing it as it is and i think that's for better or for worse where i know from film school and writing about film i grew a great appreciation for good film yeah. and a greater disdain for shitty films that are just money-making ventures. <laughs> yeah. But I, it's it's interesting that people feel like it's critics are so disconnected from what audiences yeah. like. And I, what do you think are the reasons that lead to, you know, that big divide? Like, why do you think yeah. critics find, hate the gray man, but... It's, it's beloved yeah, by audiences. Yeah, so I think it's just it's in like kind of the weird situation. It's kind of like similar to what we experience in the tech field. Like maybe mm-hmm. not you as much as what I've seen because mm-hmm. I deal with brands on a editorial and a sponsorship basis. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I think it's just the fact that these people watch the movie so much, mm-hmm. and the fact that the you have to kind of look at it like when you look at an entity as of an audience, mm-hmm. it's like a blob. But yeah. it's a really dynamic blob that some days, like, it likes all the zombie movies for, mm-hmm. like, five years. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, it loves, like, Austin Powers for, like, three years and whatever. That blob is so dynamic and changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, critics are pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. If you if you know as personally a critic that you follow, he, you're going to know what he's going to like and what mm-hmm. he's not going to like. I think that critics are, are um, like victim to the trends as well in the yeah. sense that like you know there's a general sense of fatigue about marvel movies so like they they're reviewing yeah. slightly worse as we go on yeah it's interesting having the experience of of being sold a movie versus you know having to buy the movie like yeah. i got to go to the press screening of uncharted it's probably the most recent one i've been to really you went to that the press screening not like oh. a premiere or something oh yeah i remember seeing that email and that was that was cool yeah um and I think at one point in my career, it would have probably shifted my opinion slightly positive, being like, yeah. oh, it's cool. Like, hey, they invited me. I don't want to say anything bad. I don't want to make them upset. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's the yeah. fact that in like short circuit, like just for example, mm-hmm. especially like with new yeah. with new people. Totally like, new people. Yeah. So like people who start getting a following, like 5,000 mm-hmm. followers on Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting on these mailing lists. Mm-hmm. And then it's exactly that. It's just like, oh, I don't want to like piss off Sony pictures. 100%. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to make anyone mad. Yeah, so, like, because the thing is that there is, like, a shadow ban. Like, you can get shadow mm-hmm. banned. Minus Media Group is shadow banned for a lot of stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I'm at MKBHD. That's not a secret or anything. Yeah, that's not a secret. But, like, MKBHD, I don't know we're shadow banned or not. I doubt it. I. It's just the fact that new people, they're really careful what they say. Big people, they will just say what is honest and true. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's, a, that's something that's cool about, like, Linus is yeah. that... You know, he just speaks his mind. I know I was afraid. Like when we unboxed the Last of Us box, I was so yeah. eager to get more. I was like, I, there's nothing. I wouldn't say anything negative. And I, to this day, I wonder 
did that experience actually affect my overall opinion of the game? And there's no way for me to separate the two. Like, Wait, was that The Last of Us? Last of Us 2 was the first one, that big metal box. No, no, that was... Oh, The Last of Us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for some reason... When I, when I heard Last of Us, I heard, I heard Uncharted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not The Last of Us. It's The Last of Us. Yeah. I don't think it had a direct impact, but that kind level of marketing and that level of influence is really subtle. Yeah. Like you don't, oh, wow, I got gifted something. I love it now. It boosts it by 0.5% and that's enough to push you over the edge. Yeah, honestly, like that 0.5% could make it from like a B to A. Totally. And I mean, like you take the experience as a whole and I mean, like this is such a weird niche example, but it's like part of my experience of The Last of Us 2 is opening the stuff and experiencing that. I think it's the same even as an audience member, if you buy the collector's edition of something, yeah, part of your experience is like, hey, you get the God of War Ragnarok edition, you get a hammer. And like, that's part of your God of War experience. And yeah. that enhances the entire experience. I mean, also, too, is the fact that like you if you b- purchase the limited edition or whatever, you spent that money. Mm. So you were wholeheartedly committed to this game and you don't want to look like an idiot. Totally. I'm not or saying, feel like an idiot. Yeah, it's like I spent like for example the cyberpunk. Remember, yeah. remember that unboxing? It's like yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was like one fifty or two hundred bucks. Sure. And well, that unboxing is crazy. The game came out was terrible, mm-hmm. and I will say this: that game was properly reviewed bomb. Like that was like a good call. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's tough though because <laughs> yes, it was a hugely problematic game, and they yeah. should not have released last gen. They should yeah. have never released it. They should have yeah. apologized, refunded. And just on next gen and PC because yeah. the PC version, hey, it was glitchy and there was lots of unfinished stuff, but it was pretty fun. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying it's like that game was properly review bombed because a lot of people had last gen consoles. And, yes, and everything. But I think so. Yes, <laughs> it's tough because absolutely that game deserves to be review bombed. Yeah, and I think that's a good case of re- review bombing where there it's one of our few avenues left as consumers. Yeah. to protest. It's it's like that. That's I was actually thinking about this earlier today. Was like. You have two methods of protest, mm-hmm. review bombing something and not buying it. Mm-hmm. But like review bombing is kind of a contributor of not buying it or yeah. influencing other people not to buy it. Yeah. And that is just like one of those like really cool ways that you can actually be heard. Yeah. As people reviewed bomb the crap out of cyberpunk. But now if you play it today. Pretty good game. It's a pretty good game. Yeah. Oh, actually, one thing I do want to say this. I found a unused code for cyberpunk 277. So if you're listening right now, I will uh, I will tweet this out on post. Yeah. So retweet retweet that tweet, and I and whoever I'll pick a winner, and they get that code to play Hell a yeah. more finalized version of Cyberpunk, which is really well good. worth playing. Well yeah. worth playing. Well, the storyline is kind of eh, but I like it. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's a Witcher three. <laughs> but also, it will get you to play the first Cyberpunk, then the expansion comes out. Yeah, that's going to be... There's already an Edge Runner DLC, which was pretty minor. Yeah, it's just... It's cosmetic. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's a real whole uh, expansion. Yeah, and Patriot or something? Yeah, and CD Projekt Red is known for their excellent expansion. It says so. it's bigger than uh, Blood and Wine. That's wild. Yeah. That game needs it, though. Yeah. Like, And I, what I want there to be is not more space. I want it to be denser. I think that's yeah. what Cyberpunk needed, is that the density is, is I think there. I think Idris Elba is in it. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that in the trailer. Yeah. But anyways, back to your point of like, voting for dollars mm-hmm. that's what it is 100 percent, and i think it, it is a way that gets seen and it's i really do appreciate that where like if everyone bands together and makes their unhappiness known it makes it to a developer because they see that yeah i think the trade-off is is that 
Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the boy who cries wolf. We do it too much. <laughs> I mean, and we do it all the time. Like, yeah, like um, there's just a ton of examples of oh, review wait. bombing all the way back. The first one is Spore. I was yeah, no, I was looking that up too. Yeah, and um, I totally forgot about it because I'm I um I followed Maxis. Like the developer mm. was Maxis. Mm -hmm. Uh, that game, the problem, the reason why I got review bomb is that maybe not a lot of people know about this. There was something called DRM, no digital rights media. Mm -hmm. Electronic Arts was playing around this to prevent people from pirating. And the way to prevent pirating is EA's method was to limit how many times you can install the game. Yeah. Like every license can only install up to three times. Just imagine you had a critical failure on your PC and you were playing, you had it installed and you had to reinstall again. Yeah. Holy. Fuck. I think you could email them past the third time to be like, hey, I want to install it again. But like, what a combination of caveman technology yeah and like absolutely orwellian drm yeah like it's insane that they thought that was okay yeah and it's it's crazy how it's another tangent let's wing it yeah <laughs> drm has evolved so slowly from making us review bomb a game yeah because that i mean that's unacceptable and uh, making the xbox one an utter failure when they announced their drm yeah to what they announced basically a worse version of what they announced basically being what we got this generation. You have to connect online. Yeah. Like, and if, if it's your primary console, you can stay offline for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Every console is online now. Yeah. And you have to check in. Xbox, at least they were going to make it that you could sell licenses or trade games or stuff. You could like lend the game to your friends. We don't even have that. All we have really? is the, the online checks. And you have to constantly like go online. And it happened so slowly, so silently. Yeah. And it just wasn't made a big deal. Like I, That's one of those things where... I'm back on the side of the angry review bombing critic or a uh, consumer of like, was the press told not to talk about it? Like, why is there no articles of like, it's, hey, this it's, is the future of DRM? Yeah, I mean, like, it's just back to what we originally said. But I think IGN, it's, I, I will publicly say this. I really, I followed IGN since like the early 2000s. Yeah, when it was um, so the Imagine Game Network. Yeah, it's like, holy shit. Like, IGN, you sold out hard. Oh, for sure. Well, when yeah. you get that big, you always sell out. Same with no, GameSpot. No, I mean, I mean, reverse. We just talked about like how El like Linus and Marquez are so big that they will just say whatever. But it, it's because yeah. IGN isn't singular personality driven. It's a that's corporation fair. that's cycled. It's a publisher. It's a publisher. Yeah, it's hundreds of people. Yeah. And but I, I will say, yeah, it's just the fact that IGN. I do. I never trust IGN. I every time I see a YouTube video, I'm about to click. I, if I see IGN, I will not click. Sometimes I click, but usually it just means such a. Yeah. Uh, a milk toast take on a game. It almost feels like they read the Metacritic and just put it out. It's not. The, I don't think it's the writer's fault. It's the, it's the culture. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, if I was, you know, writer number 643 and I'd come and this was my 70th article. Yeah. And they're like, oh, hey, you have a week to play this and write this game. Like yeah. there's a formula that you're supposed to stick to and you're not going to go far away from it. You're just going to do your job and yeah. do it. But I, I, I actually kind of picked out some review bombs in history. Yeah. And we should... Rate how valid they were. Okay. So Mass Effect 3 was reviewed on by audiences, not because of the ending, but because they forced you to go and play their multiplayer mode if you wanted to get galaxy readiness level. Is that worth review bomb worthy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was like, utter bullshit. Like, I, I think I, I didn't do that. I didn't play multi. No, wait, I did. You had to. I had to. You yeah, had to. I remember that. No, no, I just, I totally forgot that the bad ending kind of like warped that part. Yeah. But the uh, bad ending is worse than that. But. Yeah. Yeah. That like forcing me to play. <laughs> it's, I'm, it's, this is such a introvert thing to say. 
if you force me to play with others, I will hit you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You can make a mode that I want to play. And that, that mode, Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, it's pretty fun. It's now, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh yeah. Like, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Cause Mass Effect 3, like when you think about it, like everything about the game was really well done. Just the ending. Yeah. I, I tried to play Mass Effect 1 today. It's a little rough. It's, yeah. I'm like, Did you do the Legendary Edition? Yeah. No. Boy, it's free on Xbox. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fair. So, Shout out Game Pass. Game Pass. That's I, had, gaming. I actually had to cancel it though today. <gasps> well, I mean, I don't, I packed up my PC. Oh, fair. Yeah. But, you know, actually, wait, here's another additional shout out to Game Pass. It renewed on the first. Yep. And I canceled it yesterday. And they're like, oh, we'll give you a refund that's like 99% the value. Oh, that's really nice. No, normally they're just like, oh, you're good till no. next first. Well, they, that's why it says, like, do you want the refund now? Oh. Or do you want, like, the prorated amount? Pro-rate yeah. So I was like, huh. oh, I'll just do it now. And then when I unpack my PC, I'll just re enable it again. Okay. So I was like, hey, shout out to Game Pass. But yeah, the first one is like, I'm like, holy shit, it's how rough. do you play this? So I played the second one. I'm like, it's getting yeah. there. So like Mass Effect 2 to me is like the perfect game. Yeah. And Mass Effect 3, I'm like, holy shit, this game plays so good. Yeah. Why is this, like, actually, everything but the, the end ending. is so good. And there's these amazing endings for each storyline. Like yeah. the the Genophage storyline, you know, with Mortis oh. and stuff. Like, there's just so many good endings. Yeah. And, like, Tali and stuff. But they just, they, you can see the yeah. EA influence on the ending of, like, yeah. you got to finish. You got to yeah. get it out. Like, you can see they wanted to do more. And they eventually patched in a better ending that's... Yeah decent but it's still not great it's not great and then you know then how big like dogma mass effect andromeda was just like a hot just utter piece of shit <laughs> you know, like, but uh that, that that's 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 deserving of uh, review bombing <laughs> and that did get review on but yeah next in history was skyrim when they implemented paid mods so they introduced a oh, platform yeah. <laughs> where you would pay for mods yeah i think creators got a small percentage of it but yeah. bethesda was trying to maximize profits and they recognized that their games are best with mods. I, I will I will put is that, that worthy of a review bombing. Let's rate them out of five. So five is most worthy, one is zero worthy. So Mass Effect three, how worthy of a review bombing? That's a five for sure. Oh, I think it's a four for me. Really? A four. Because the most of, I get it, they really wanted people to play that multiplayer yeah. mode. And it was pretty good. But so I, I'll, I'll it, pause it. But it's I, bullshit. Yeah, it just I just don't, I don't like it when people force yeah. me to do that. Okay, Skyrim versus paid mods. One to five. I give that a two. Really? Here's here, here's the reason why. It's the fact that at least they made it like an official way. Like, actually, wait, no, let me upgrade to three. But this is this is why I say it's not that bad. At least it gives these modders a way to get paid mm. officially and into a market where this game is probably to this day mm. is played a ton. A ton. Yeah. And I, I don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure if the, the people are going to be paid or not. I think that was part I think, of their no, pitch, I remember, right? I remember that's what the pitch. So I am going to give it uh, uh, I'm gonna give it a five because yeah. it was fucking bullshit. Where yeah. they're like they're monetizing off the work of others, yeah, and it's such a evil capitalist overlord thing to be like, oh, but like, yeah, you kind of benefit, but we benefit so much more from what you've been doing for free this whole time. Yeah. So. I, I will, I will, I because I can see it from the publisher side. It's like yep. you are profiting from our uh, core IP, or yep. not IP, but like a core game that we spent. Millions and millions of dollars, but they probably made a billion dollars off that game. Yeah. But it's oh, the yeah. fact that it's kind of weird because, like, I'm in that position where I will argue. Like, I remember doing Short Circuit. I will copyright the shit out of people because they just ripped the video. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then there's some people that will rip it and then will kind of do their things. And those other people make a whole new concept and just quote us, which is fine. That's fine. That's yeah. totally fine. But 
Um, and you can tell the yeah. difference. There's there's content that exists just to be yeah. using your content to make like to gain something. And yeah. then there's content that's actually commenting and yeah. cha- transforming what you're saying into something yeah. new. But I think they fixed that. They eventually canceled it because yeah. they were like, oh, yeah, we can't we can't do that. Uh, next, I have on my list, which is out of order somehow, both near Automata and Psychonauts 2 getting review bombed because they weren't available both in Chinese and Russian. Yeah, I saw that on that list. I have not played. I'm sorry. Psychonaut 2. You need to. It's so good. <laughs> I haven't played the first one. I haven't played the first really? one. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, was, I would jump right to the second because the first one's a little janky. These well, days. Here, here's the reason why. It was always that one of the games I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like it's, I treat it like Wes Anderson movies. Like I'll play when the right time. Yeah, right. the right time. So I know it's a good game. It looks like a good game. I do want to play it, but not right now. And yeah. it's been like ten plus years, which is really embarrassing. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I saw that, and it like to me that is unfair. Yeah. So okay, what would you rate it? One out of five. Oh, that's like zero. That's an unfair one. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a one or a two. I. I get it. It would be frustrating, but I also think that like review bombing isn't the way to do it. No, it's the fact that you should make um, make a group of people yeah. be very vocal and going here. We have X amount of dollars ready to give you. Give yeah. us a Chinese port version. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Do not review bomb because that's just that that yeah. doesn't make sense to me. Because no. the thing is that these companies have looked at these games, going, hmm, which markets do I should focus mm. for first? And then they probably saw China. No offense to China at all. They're probably going, oh, we only sold like 10,000 copies. Yeah, I don't think Psychonauts is a huge brand in China. Yeah, so, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like how anime was in the 90s for Mm -hmm. me. I was a big anime fan. Oh, I am still a big anime Mm -hmm. fan. But in the 90s, I had to wait for my local video store that was like a mom and pop shop to get it. Yeah. Because Rogers Video didn't have it. Blockbuster didn't have it. And I I think with the case of Psychonauts 2, they very quickly were like, there's other versions coming. It's just like, we're a small company. I know we're owned by Microsoft now, but like we weren't. And like, (laughs) just chill. I mean, by being owned by Microsoft doesn't mean you have access to like a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. You don't get to call Steve Ballmer or whatever. (laughs) Is he even fucking part of Microsoft anymore? I don't don't even know. know. Uh, GTA 5, when they removed access or like the, the, the tool, the modding tool, Open V. So they basically blocked access, which was the main... Or tool for mods. So okay, that's back to kind of the Skyrim thing. Yep, it's, it's kind like of reverse. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's like okay, when GTA Five first came out, mm-hmm. what were the reviews on? What do you mean? Oh, there was three sixty and PS three. Yeah, but like what like was modding available back? No, then? No, no, because PC, I think they did next gen version. So PS four, well, at the time, and uh, Xbox One. And then a year after that was the PC version. And then mods weren't even available right at launch yeah. for PC. But we all knew it was coming because that's yeah, the whole yeah. fucking point. That's a, that's a, I want to be Harry Potter. And yeah, Sp- I want to be Spider-Man. I want to be Iron Man, yeah. whatever. It's kind of weird because like that one is like with the mods, it's kind of made it like a whole different game. Mm-hmm. And then but the reviews, the core, like 90 percent of the reviews before that happened was probably not about the mods, mm-hmm. but it's probably about, oh, I want to play. Trevor in just like beating beating up some people yeah, on, sure. on Venice Beach. So yeah. like I it's just to me of like, yeah, I get it, but also I don't. It's hard. I again we're on a tangent. Let's wing yeah. it. <laughs> um I think that one of the biggest losses in gaming is the mod scene. I think because publishers yeah. want to monetize everything, yeah. they don't want people to make free content. They don't want mm-hmm. people that make add-ons. They want 
games to come out on a certain schedule and add-ons to come out on a certain schedule. Yeah. And they want to maximize profit at every possible corner. Yeah. And mods aren't part of that plan. Yeah. And I think so much of gaming, especially like late 90s, early 2000s, is thanks to mods. No, it's some of the the three biggest games in the world yeah. are is because of yeah, mods. Yeah, literally, yeah. It's like Counter-Strike. Dota. Dota, League of Legends. Yeah. Yep. I remember playing League of Legends and Dota back when it was World of Warcraft 3 servers. It's like, oh, the I was like Rise of the Ancients or something. That's what Dota is. Defense of the Ancients. Defense of the Ancients. Oh, is that Dota? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. See, that's like so far ago. Yeah. Like I'm a player. You don't like, think about that. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm the big tree guy. Yeah. I'm just going to go, oh, I kill these yeah. things. Cool. That's but yeah, you think neat. about those are like Dota and Lee yeah. are the two of the biggest, if not the yeah. biggest games. Yeah. So I do, I do agree with you. Like yeah. for companies to remove the modding ability is 100% shit. Because yep. here's the thing is that you get, you Modding allows people to have creative freedom on a property that, yes, you made and mm -hmm. you own. I 100% agree with you that you have the right to do it. But should you? Yeah. Do you block that modding ability? No, because here's the thing. Uh, this is the one, This like let's say, say for business, Valve saw Counter-Strike. Mm. Did they block him? No. They bought the guy. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's a win-win all around. Yeah, it's a win-win. So it's like, why would you do that? Yeah. You should just go... Oh, that's getting popular. Oh, I'll buy the guy. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not buying. Well, it's because yeah. business people that don't, the business people making the decisions aren't coming through the gaming oh, scene. They're coming yeah. from the outside. They're co coming from business school and this shit. Is, this is why I think Linus hates MBAs. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's you have MBA brain and you're just so uninteresting. And oh, you're, yeah. you're like, this works. We're going to do this. And you're, you know, you make your plan and we're sticking to it. Yeah. And I think that that, that sucks because so much like gaming would be so different if we allowed other people's creativity to be part of it. Yeah. And I think like it's cool that gaming has democratized development in a lot of ways. Like Unity is the easiest game development tool ever oh my to God. make like a professional game. If you go to subreddit uh, gaming, mm -hmm. it's like half of that is like, I just be making this game. Totally. I'm like, so I just and saw it look pretty good. Yeah. I just saw today someone made like the flash open world game. Granted, I think there's going to be a lot of problems to make if uh, that big yeah. that game, but I'm like, Hey, that looks cool. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. It's the same with a lot of creative industries where the tools have gotten so accessible, so easy yeah. to use Yeah. that more people can do it. I think there's a dark side to it where, uh, the easier the tools are to use, the more it devalues the actual work that goes into it because anyone can do it, yeah. which is good. But like even in like being a camera guy, yeah. it's never been easier to be a camera guy. Yeah. But that means that you don't have to be as good. So if you are good, you're just not valued in the same way. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be the same way with game dev where like it used to be you kind of have to be a brilliant coding mind. Yeah. And you would do it all yourself and make it all work. But now, like, you know, you can design. It's not that I'm not saying that making a game in <laughs> yeah. is easy. I'm not trying to say yeah. it's like automatic, but. It is more easy for anyone to learn and do yeah, than ever before. It's kind of like, yeah, you're kind of like in a, like on the fence there. It's like, oh, you're trying to, I'm this, I'm take this with the nicest way possible. It's kind of like you're gatekeeping in a nice way to protect what was there. Mm -hmm. And also it's like, oh, you're, let's just, this is not your salary. Let's just say you're getting like a hundred thousand US mm -hmm. doing what you're doing yeah. and by making it so accessible Oh, I could just pay that other guy who's now undercutting me by fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. And then now does that mean that your skills and abilities is worth as much as this guy? Yeah. And unfortunately enough that the market will say yes. Well, and it's so interesting seeing how AI has started to take people's jobs in different industries. Yes. In a not the order I expected. Yeah. Like I remember like 
automation has become a thing. And I, I love the idea of everything becoming easier for humans and mm -hmm. us benefiting from the benefits of automation and AI yeah. and stuff. Unfortunately, the truth is we don't get to benefit. The bridge people get to benefit more yeah. and uh, we're competing for these jobs instead of benefiting from people yeah. being able to do our jobs. But I am interested to see what the next victim of AI will be. Because I it's, thought, yeah, like I didn't expect law was one of the ones that I was expecting to that I had read was going to be the first to go. Because yeah. basically lawyers, what they do is they go through past cases and they find precedents and then they can cross compare. Yeah. And they build a case based on precedent. Yeah. AI can fucking do that. Honest, honest to God, I'm, I'm in the same way. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know. I want AI to make everything totally. and better and some more humans out there could get like a good like job that that they don't have to go into the coal mines anymore. Yeah, they don't exactly. have to. Yeah, why would we need a coal mine when we can send a robot down yeah. to the coal mine? I, I would love just to have like, yo, robot, farm me my food so all these hundred people can go to school. Yeah, and like. I remember when the dream was AI was supposed to allow us to stop menial jobs so that we could be creative. Yeah. The problem is AI is taking our fucking creative jobs. <laughs> Chat what GBD. the God fucking damn Dude, happened? I, I had to use ChatGBD the other day because there was like something confusing about my visa application mm -hmm. or my immigration was like, do I need this? Or when can I get my social security number? Yeah. And then I was waiting for my lawyer and I just got so tired. I went to Google <laughs> and then the Google just does this Google things like yeah. a thousand articles and Every other article disagrees. Useful. Yeah, disagrees yep. the last one. So I went to ChatGPT. I'm like, hey, was I supposed to get my social security number with my visa? <laughs> and he just goes, no. Uh, it's like, you can if it was applied during uh, it. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of mad now, but because no yeah. one applied. But well, go, okay, how do I get one? No, no. And then it just like, it went, whoop, just go here. I'm like, wow. dope. So honestly, God, Microsoft. Mm. Good job. Well, and I, I I am very anti like AI art, and the the kind of the big discussion point is like fine art, uh, like graphic design and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I am, and I I am very against it because, like on a moral level, it's just taking people's work and copy pasting oh, and is. then add, adding refinements. Yeah, and that's a huge problem. If I'm not consenting to my work being yeah. used, you can't fucking use my work yeah, morally. I think, I think uh, Marquez uh, he did a video I think a couple months ago. Uh, no, he did. Yeah, now mm -hmm. I remember. Uh, he made a really good point in it mm -hmm. about that. And there's actually some uh, some art that the AI produced yeah. that you can obviously see a signature in the corner that's oh. kind of like kind of like warped a little bit yeah. because the AI is just like... Yeah, it's a warped brain. So yeah. it's like, oh, that's kind of fucked, fucked up. up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> so, so I was just like, I'm already like when he was like talking about it because I watch all his videos. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought it was just like, it was just like doing it on its own. That's yeah, like, it's like there's supposed to be a signature. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh -huh. like, it seems like it, it's like, oh, let's take Picasso instead of uh, sunflowers. Let's mm -hmm. put roses. Yeah. So I'm like, ooh, is that copying? Yeah. <laughs> well, I say all of this. Yeah. But there is a big butt. Yeah. And the butt, real ugly butt, this yeah. unfortunately, is AI is here to stay. And we will be contending with AI art forever. Yeah. And we need to figure out both the ethics of it, but we also need to figure out how we can use it as a tool to make art better. Yeah. And we 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 need uh, part one again. We need to figure out the ethics of it because yeah, it is not okay that it steals people's art to make yeah. its art. It's not making art. It's literally just like being a mix up mashup artist. Yeah. But 
I think there is useful applications that we can explore. And I think that on a pragmatic level, as individuals, we have to be realistic with how can we use AI to make ourselves yeah. more valuable and not try and compete directly with what has worked in the past yeah. versus what AI can produce now. Because that's yeah. that's not going to work. I, I think it's in a way where it's like AI is so fast forward. Like we're going to have these issues. Like these mm -hmm. issues were bound to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of growing pains. And I think sure. we're going to stumble a lot and we're going to figure it out. Granted, we're on a, on a really close line of Skynet possibilities. Because <laughs> ChatGPT, while how how amazing it is, it freaks the shit out of me. But and it's scary that like that is now like the next frontier of technology. Like yeah. Google is like has the uh, Google's playing catch up to Microsoft now. Yeah, Google has Bard now. Yeah, I thought that, I think that's a weird name. I get what they're trying to go for. It's also a, a very non-threatening, like fun, cute name. <sighs> I mean, here, here's the problem with the bard is that it's a singer and storyteller mm -hmm. that goes from town to town. It's it's just it's a it's a busker. Oh, 100 percent. Well, yeah. and what's <laughs> what's scary to me, like I said, is that AI is going to take creative jobs like yeah. uh, Adobe is investing heavily into AI. Yeah. And it's going to be awesome, you know, as a someone who uses Photoshop and Premiere yeah. being able to use these tools that are going to be so much more sophisticated. Yeah. But like I said, it's going to make it that the bar of entry is so low. Yeah. And the current skill set that I have as an old man is going to be devalued and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, yeah. I'm going to have to learn, which is yeah. good. And that's going to be the key is what you know now isn't going to be enough. You're going to have to grow and yeah. learn and learn to utilize these skills to provide something unique here. Here's a, here's a kind of weird thing that will age us horribly. Oh God. Are we in that kind of realm where like the U S postal service sees email rising? Maybe I, I <laughs> like full transparency. I am definitely because of AI, I, that's a part of my calculus of like, is it time to make a career switch? Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of different places you can go, but it's scary because who the fuck knows what AI is going to take no, over it, next? Yeah. Like chat GPT can fucking code. dude. <laughs> like yeah. who thought that coding was going to be the yeah. next thing that see, AI can do? See how, how I kind of look at it is that, uh, we're, we are in that realm of like, we are the postal service watching email grow or yeah. we're watching the, we're the horse trainer yeah. seeing automobiles starting to dominate the roads. Yeah. Um, but I think too, is that I think we really need to restrict AI to not be a replacement, yeah. but to be an assistant. So what mm -hmm. I kind of look at it is that, okay, the manual jobs that we referred mm -hmm. earlier is that you, we need to be like, someone needs to be highly trained. Yeah. Like we'll take the current farmer going, fuck you. You're going to school mm -hmm. and we'll get all these robots to do it. And you maintain all these robots now. That's all you do. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I agree. But I also think that it's just, it's it's such a social issue yeah. where we are eliminating jobs and we're making it that like what people have done with the skill sets that they have yeah. no longer apply. But they're, we're eventually going to run out of places for those people to go. Yeah. And we need to start looking at universal basic income. Yeah, we no, need to start looking at like subsidizing people to live a good life. Because we don't need them to do jobs anymore. We have yeah. robots to fucking do everything. Yeah, no, that's 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 my basis of my thought. For sure. Is, uh, of It's just, as much as like I'm a capitalist and mm -hmm. a business person, I see a value of universal basic income mm -hmm. and also um, like universal healthcare. All yeah. these things. Because here's the thing, is that universal basic income automatically technically becomes taxes that you get back. Yeah. And- I will always look at that person with universal basic income or whatever. Mm. Whoever comes to my shop, how do I get like 
how do I not get $5 from you? How do I get $10 from you? Yeah. And it's universal basic income that, okay, the guy spends 10 bucks, I get taxes, then the government gets it back mm-hmm. anyways. But then if I employ a robot to do the cash register person yeah. or like even a self-checkout, yeah, tax me a bit more. I don't care. Yeah. Because in the net end, I'm still going to make way more money. Well, it's it's society is a challenging thing because I think when you sit most people down, you could come to a consensus about a lot of stuff. You want a society where people get to grow old, yeah. be happy, thrive, and people get to live their best lives. I think most people across the political spectrum yeah. would agree on that. They would yeah. just d- disagree on how you get there. Yeah. But as the future is controlled more and more by the technology and the powers that already hold the keys to that technology, there's going to be less and less possible avenues. Yeah. And I think it's it's scary to think that yeah, we're just going to be struggling more and more. And I've, I'm reading a book called Uninhabitable Earth right now, and it's, we're really on a tangent. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Where we have increased our productivity as a species tenfold or whatever. Yeah. But in the last 20 to 30 years, all, basically all of our gained productivity has been counteracted by the productivity lost to global warming. Yeah. So every like degree of global warming, we lose whatever GDP. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we're producing more, but we're actually not producing more. We're just like kind of breaking even. It's, and that's so fucking scary. Well, I'm like, I just assumed yeah. we're like more, more productive than we've ever fucking been. Yeah. No, we're not. We're, we're, we're going back <laughs> down because of global warming. It's, well, I mean, yeah. Like since the discovery of oil is a good product for everything we do. Well, and that's the reason why we advanced so far Yeah, because we, we had all of this energy unlocked to us. We, we use a cheat code. <laughs> yeah. It's literally a fucking cheat code. Yeah. But we're now paying the price for the cheat code now. Yeah. So it's like paying, we're paying back the loan that we, we totally. use like, Oh, you have to like pay X amount. Yeah. It's like, and, it's like the earth had been, uh, been conserving for like millions and millions of years. Yeah. And then in like a hundred years, we're like, we're spending, Oh, let's get it all. Recession, baby. Yeah. Which is happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where it's like people, I feel like they have a fundamental problem with change. And mm. people have a fundamental need to suffer. It's like they need to like struggle. I think that it's it's an important character growing thing yeah. to face adversity. I don't think it has to be struggle, it can be defined in many yes. different ways. Yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. like the idea of adversity shaping people and like yeah. Some of the smartest, most ambitious and still kind and good people I know have faced a lot of adversity in their yeah. life. And that's what has allowed them to grow and be those people. Yeah. Uh, but I. I uh, yeah. I the only reason why I'm saying that is because I'm thinking about um, societies like Wally, right? Mm-hmm. The human society in that space cruise ship. Mm-hmm. They have no struggle. They have nothing. And they're just yeah. kind of wasting away. Yeah. So it's like that is the definition of if they struggled a little bit, they wouldn't be morbidly obese and then they would kind of realize that they need to be outside of the, the fucking chairs well and it's it's a hard question because i think everyone is looking for their purpose yeah. everyone's looking for a reason to get out of bed looking yeah. for a reason to push themselves and i think everyone would that's why like those andrew tate types are so appealing is yeah. because they like they're like there's a warrior inside of you and like, you have to fight <laughs> yeah. the battle and they, they yeah. find like that monkey part of your brain yeah. and reach in and they're like here's your purpose yeah. and we're missing that with society. Like it's hard yeah. to find your purpose because 100%. you're constantly told it's all coming to an end. It's all fucked. Yeah. It's all, we're all screwed. And I it, find yeah, it takes a lot of self-reflection and growth to look inwards and be like, 
what's what am I here for? I, I just say <laughs> this to a lot of people, and you know, unfortunate enough with the recent layoffs of Google or yeah. YouTube, is I'm talking to Who a lot of people. Just laid off people today. Uh, oh, Dell. Just Dell just laid off seven thousand people. Yeah. So here's the thing: is I, I this YouTube employee that was laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking to this person, and. I'm kind of going through all the steps of being laid off because I've been laid off before. Yeah, it sucks. And it's like, I go, okay, first you're going to go through stages of grief. It's like when you lose or get laid off a job, it's like you literally, someone died. Yeah. And you're going to go through sadness, you know, depression, anger, happiness and acceptance, all those things. And I just like, let it happen. Mm-hmm. But also know this is coming you're going to be very uncomfortable for a while. Yeah. And, but here's the thing. If you try to find yourself being comfortable in unemployment, that's also very dangerous too. So I kind of was thinking about that today. And then back to my point of like the struggle is I think some people out there, especially the Andrew Tate types, is that they are not used to being uncomfortable Mm. and they are just getting kind of spoon fed this monkey stuff that appeals to them because they're like, oh, there's a reason why I am suffering. Oh, totally. And I am doing this. And therefore, they're very, very uh, easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. I will say this, Andrew Tate, fuck you. Yeah, but, suck a fucking dick. Yeah, I'm glad you Enjoy you're prison. <laughs> I hope fucking you're... half monkey brain. Thank you, Romania. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's just the fact that they are so, they found a group of people that feel comfortable. Yeah, well, and I think that he sells a lot of that like simulated uh, growth. Yeah. And I think that's why like self-help books and like, you know, the like unclutter your mind kind of things yeah. are so good is because you get this dopamine rush as if you had done stuff. Yeah. I think it's uh, like those, those people suck. And <laughs> I, I, I don't, let's save let's save Andrew Tate stuff and uh, that kind of stuff for another episode because we've gone pretty far off topic yeah but let's, okay. let's rate AI out of 10 zero zero uh, oh, gee, wait that's not true yeah. AIs can be cool we just need to tackle yeah. the the ethics of it yeah me me talking about um other one is um something you another and okay we're gonna we're, 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 we're coming on. back we're coming, coming back. back we're coming back uh a game earlier you talked about that you and I both love yeah uh the last of us two Yes, got review bombed real hard. Yeah, <laughs> which was, uh, I think like, that's very unfair. I think it hit it like 3.5 or something at one point. Well, I mean, we we, um, we did the unboxing. Like you and I were like, yeah, oh, yeah. we're going to unbox this thing. It's going to yeah. be fucking awesome. And then I was like, no, it's, it's going to be bad. And then we released it. We released that video. I remember being there. And I, I remember like going, I was trying to reassure you. I'm like, don't worry. It's not you. It's yeah, just it's just like, the game. It's a game. But that game should not have been review bombed. No. Well, and... I was talking to Adam about it semi recently of like, it's a very divisive game and the people that hate it, hate it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And it's a fucking awesome game. And there is definitely criticism to be laid. It's a little bit messy. It's a little bit uh, overreaching, especially kind of at the end. But I think what it achieves, it's fucking incredible. It's a great cinematic story. Totally. And like in terms of presentation, technical presentation, uh, I think the gameplay is so much more refined than the first one. Yeah. But I also think like the thematic points that it makes are so salient. It's so good. So good. And I, I we won't we won't stick on it too far, but yeah. the hatred was we're gonna spot do early game five hour spoilers for The Last of Us Two. Yeah. Turn off if you are saving yourself for the season two, whatever. If you are, well what the hell? <laughs> so the big thing was when they killed Joel. Yeah. And so Joel is the beloved character first main character of the first game. Yeah. 
uh, and you play as Ellie, which is, you know, the the side, not the side character, the other main character in the first yeah. one. Uh, and she's aged up five years and they're living in this compound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically due to the decision Joel makes at the end of the first one, people are coming after him. Yeah. And they find him and they, this one character, Abby, yeah. brutally murders him with a golf club. Yeah. And that was the big reason why people were really upset was like, I don't want to like not have Joel. I don't want to have this. And it's it's really interesting to me how people have a strong reaction and don't know how to process it. Right. Yeah. Because the point is not to be like, oh, Joel, you're supposed to be fucking pissed. You're supposed yeah. to be like Ellie. Like, how the fuck could they kill Joel? Yeah. Fuck you. You don't understand. Yeah. But that's kind of the point of the whole it, game. The whole game is about uh, I find it's the when you look at it like what if you include one and two together yeah the whole thing is about consequences totally the price of violence yeah it's a price of violence oh like things that you do and then what's you get your comeuppance yes <laughs> and then it's just like how do you break this cycle totally yeah and i think people wanted and i think this is a big division i have in terms of critics versus audience the audience thinks it knows what it wants yeah. and when it doesn't get it it gets upset and it's like you often see audience with like even live service games with these proposals and like yeah they wouldn't work and it doesn't work and like it's yeah. a cool idea in theory but it's impossible to implement it's impossible to do this yeah uh and in this case people were like i want another joel and ellie story but it's like actually no that story is told yeah and like done. you don't actually want that yeah you like you shouldn't want that i mean you should want the next story technically you get a little bit throughout the whole ellie experience oh totally yeah. and i think the game actually does deliver really well on those those warm moments, like yeah. a minor spoiler for later in the game. They yeah. give you a flashback of like a warm, tender moment between Ellie and the Joel. Spaceship. Yeah. And that's <laughs> probably one of my favorite moments of the entire game. Yeah, And it's, it's the last of us isn't about zombies. It's not about just suffering. It's about finding meaning and love in the face of the bleakest opponent that the human race has ever faced. Yeah. It's like, fuck global warming. Fuck this. There's literally a deadly threat everywhere yeah how do you find warmth and goodness and love yeah. in this world yeah and that's like in that in that way the last of us both of them succeed hugely and there's yeah. a huge price to be paid for finding that happiness and that love yeah but people don't want to pay the price they yeah. don't want to pay the price they exactly. want exactly they want you know the the feelings they want the familiar yeah. and i am mad about that so how do you rate that review bomb out of five oh, five zero. is zero yeah I, that's a zero <laughs> it's like for me. it's like well for me i'm like i think if Okay, people are upset with that game. You have to kind of reevaluate what you like as in media. Totally. Yeah. And I, I think like I think it's pretty inarguable that The Last of Us Two is a work of art. Does yeah. a work of art mean infallible, perfect piece of media? No. no. But there is something said and they say it with their fucking whole voice. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I kind of look at I I can't look at last of us two as a separate game mm. it literally is like a part two if you play one you have to play two and if you played two before one whoa you're high you high but, <laughs> but um it's it's just See, a, it's interesting yeah. though i feel like when the last of us came out the last of us was a complete story yeah and it was like that's a that's a heavy story no it's a, it's a good joel story yeah and yeah. then but i think you're right now that the second exists that's the complete story yeah but so we're we're both rating it a zero yeah. out of ten. I I'm gonna rate it is when you include the complaints about Ellie being lesbian and oh uh, the trans character uh, Levi. I can't remember the character's name, but the trans character, you know, woke representation. Uh, 
Oh, and like was making a trans fun of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Abby being all jacked and shit. Oh, they're just trying to be fucking different. I don't understand. I, I never Fuck understood you. that. That's a negative one. That's a negative here's, one on the justified here's, scale. Yeah. Here's, here's the fucking thing about it's like jack women. Um, not like in a world like that. I expect like more than like I, I expect most people to be fairly jacked. Well, and I I feel like the game does a good justifying how she would have gone the way. I mean, like where her people live, they live in a fucking sports stadium. Like they're yeah. like, they're in an arena, but she's also like she has the rage. Yeah, and she exists to get yeah. revenge. And so like yeah, she's gonna be fucking yoked. Yeah, like well here's it's this the Last of Us universe, the post apocalyptic era. Women aren't gonna wear push-up bras and stuff their bras or anything. They're worried about like, am I surviving. gonna survive yeah. the next day? Totally. It's like, yeah, like that's. I just go, oh, Abby, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's, that's I all. Fucking I fucking love Abby. Yeah. I love The Last of Us Two. If you guys want to hear more, check out my video on The Last of Us Two. I go pretty deep into my that's thoughts a, on that. I I watch that video through and through. It's like, like it's it. a. I I'm proud of it. Yeah. Okay, Star Wars Battlefront Two. You remember that rage? Is it the one with the DLC microtransactions? There was the microtransactions, but they did yeah. the loot boxes that had uh, base. Basically, your power was contained within the like the the upgrades you would get. So yeah. it was important to get you know the upgrades that from the Here's, yeah the upgrades were locked into the loot boxes. So yes. your progression was you would get power ups by buying loot boxes. Yes. Um, I played that game on launch. It had more problems than just the loot boxes. To be mm -hmm. honest, that loading they had the typical battlefield problems that yeah. ea has um i actually didn't have that much of a problem with it the game or the the, the loot boxes, loot boxes too much. oh interesting it was the thing is that when you actually look at the bonus that the loot boxes give you it's very like diminishing returns mm. it's like oh five percent increase of recharging x thing and you're like when you look at it i'm like oh that's like an extra three seconds saved yeah. And you're like, oh, that's not too bad. Or it's like, oh, you want a guarantee to be Yoda this game? Cool. You can pay mm. for like, like, get like a better chance of being Yoda. Yeah. So, I mean, I go, yeah, it's a problem. But to me, I thought it was overblown. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's two weeks in a row. I've defended EA somehow. Wow. People have it out for EA and totally justified in yeah. a million ways yeah. because, you know, they produce a lot of shitty yearly games yeah uh and they're a big business not interested in being your friend they're there to take your money yeah um but i think people when it, when ea does something it gets blown out a little bit more it's amplified i think what was especially bad was that it was the reddit post which is the lowest the most downvoted yeah. reddit post of all time when it was the the marketing guy or whatever yeah. that made a post being like oh that sense of accomplishment or whatever they said uh, and everyone yeah. was like, fuck you. Because, yeah, I kind of look at it this is because now I'm an older person now who at the time of being 15, 16, wished I was being an adult so I can have more time to play games. But now I'm an adult and I have like no time to play games now yeah. is the fact that I don't have time to grind the shit out to get these bonuses anymore. Yeah. So I am thankfully enough in a place where I make enough income mm -hmm. that I could buy at the time $60 game and then dump 20 bucks into it to be on par with some of these kids. Yeah. I, I can agree to a certain extent of like, yeah, I can afford to spend the money. I tried not to, I yeah. I'm trying to budget more where I have like, I think my budget is like 150 bucks a month for gaming. Mm -hmm. That's Canadian. So that's a game <laughs> <laughs> that is 
A game that's and a half. A, that's not even two games. No, yeah. it's a game and a half. Yeah. Uh, and that includes like hardware and I do retro stuff. So it's pretty easy to go to a store and buy a game. Yeah. And that's that's it. Uh, and so I don't have it in my budget for yeah. microtransactions. And I mean, I'm, I've am i been susceptible. To them. I, I've probably put in like $1,000, $2,000 in a really? Rainbow Six. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I played this really stupid zombie uh, mobile game. I'm mm-hmm. not proud of it. And I probably, I would put 80 bucks into it. Sure. Yeah. And it's just, it's just literally just it's so dopamine. Stupid. It's just yeah. dopamine. And you're just like, I want to be able to build this thing and I want it. And now yeah. when it's funny, uh, Cassie's playing Dreamlight Valley, which is like the Disney Stardew Valley game. <laughs> and she's really enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, and it's free on Game Pass. Oh, but then no. there's the upgraded versions that have, you know, currency and cosmetics or whatever. Yeah. And we were going to buy it because she was interested. And then I saw it was on Game Pass. So I brought my PC to where she could play it. Oh. Um, but. She might play it enough that it would be worth it to upgrade, but I don't know. It's, it's Here's the thing, too, is that um, Jillian and I have this kind of weird thing, too, is that especially if it's, like, free or um, oh any – actually, no. Anytime I play a game, we always kind of look at the financial sense. Like, mm. hmm, how much time did I spend on that game? Yeah. 60 hours, and how much was that? Oh, we got for 10 bucks, and then there was a DLC that makes it more enjoyable or mm-hmm. builds a story. Yeah, take my money. See, I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of the calculus as to why yeah. we get such these these really boring fucking grindy yeah. open world games. Because yeah. they know that we're thinking that way. We're like, oh, the game's 100 hours, 100 bucks, no problem. Yeah. I don't want those games. <laughs> I want the yeah. 8 to 10 hour really tight experiences. Yeah. But I'll admit, it's, it's harder for me to pay $100 for Dead Space yeah. than it will be for me to pay $100 for... Uh, Breath of the Wild two or Last of Us Part two, and yeah, and no, Last part of Us one, Part one, Part one. Well, Part one, but yeah. that's that's slightly different because we already played it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'm trying to think of like a narrative, like uh, Dead. Sp- I think Dead Space is a good example where it's yeah. like it's a 10, 12 hour game. If I play it through, did you? Did you? Did you I didn't buy it? it. I'm not gonna oh. buy it. Um, but that's so. It's I. I am totally hypocritical in the sense that yeah. that's what I want, but I don't see the hundred dollar value in it. Yeah, and so. I just, I just find I well, like here's the thing is I, I do understand why people review bomb mm-hmm. Battlefront two. Mm-hmm. It's because it was like kind of like it's bringing it back. Yeah, it's <laughs> sorry. I, I don't <laughs> oh, mean good, it, I mean good, good. Yeah, it's um, it's just the fact that I know that was the kind of like the start mm-hmm. of DLC and these loot box. Well, not like, like DLC. more loot boxes. Yeah, being a really big thing. Making game. No, here's uh, Overwatch had loot boxes before yeah. that but it was mostly it was cosmetic, cosmetic. Yeah. yeah no okay here's here's the better term is that it's not dlc it's not loot boxes it's microtransactions to mm. give you a boost in the game so i i understand why people were outraged because it's a change mm. but here's the problem with us video gamers mm. is that we go don't pre-order don't do this don't do that we fucking do it anyways and they just continue to do it i i don't pre-order i will pre-order like I pre-ordered Ragnarok in the sense that the reviews had come out. Yeah. And if I pre-ordered, I got like, I got to preload. And so I was like, okay, two, day, <laughs> pre-load. two days before it came out. Yeah. I was like, I know I'm buying it. Yeah. I will buy it two days before it's out. So I can load it on my PS5 I mean, and play it the minute it's is, ready. Is two days before even pre-ordering it anymore? I don't think it was maybe like a week or something. Yeah, I can't remember. Because here's the thing is that I pre-ordered. Okay. Here's the reason. Riley and I, Riley would get really mad at me. But, uh, here's the reason why I pre-ordered is that during uh, E3, mm-hmm. uh, Best Buy would run a promotion, mm-hmm. 
It is like, oh, pre-order all these games and you can essentially get it down to every game. And this is in Canadian dollars. Is that and this is this is where I think PS4. Yeah, this is when PS4 was kind of like really like the mainstream. Okay. Um in Canada, game back then would cost you sixty bucks. Mm. Oh god. Yeah. To go back. Yeah. So at the pre-order day, you can get pretty much all the announced games for forty dollars. If you order multiple games. So each of them is forty dollars. Yeah. So I of, yeah. yeah I basically pre-ordered every game announced. Wow. And not to play. This is how my monkey brain works. Uh, is to not play all those games, but to resell those. Oh, what games. a business guy. Yeah. So those some games I pre-ordered Final Fantasy VII Remake. Wow. Way when it was announced. Yep. For forty dollars, <sighs> I bought five copies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I went, I made five different accounts. Yeah. And I just basically have duplicated my order yep. all the time. And I remember the, the fucking Best Buy guy would be like, what the, the fuck? fuck are you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, I just really like the game. Yeah. No, it's not the Best Buy guy, like the Canada Post guy. Yeah. It was just like, he would just get like five different packages. Five but, different ones from Best Buy. But it would all feel the same. <laughs> He's like, is this cocaine? I'm like, no, no, no. It's just games. And I would just <laughs> sell the four copies yeah. to get it. So, yeah. Anyways, that's that's a that was a tangent. Wing it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, Battlefront Two. I would give that a two. I'll give it a three because yeah. I was grateful that the outrage happened because it shifted the whole gaming landscape yeah. where it is not okay to lock upgrades behind a paid wall. No, it, and that's 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 not good. But I understand why. Yeah, I think like a game like Escape from Tarkov does a pretty good balance of like <laughs> you can pretty much experience the whole thing with yeah. paying the base model and the base model is cheap. Yeah. But hey, you want the extra storage. You want like to start with a little bit more. Yeah. You can pay for it. Yeah. And I started with the late and this is important. If you have a base version, let me upgrade to the later version, the bigger versions later. Can you? You can with that with at least when I did it with Escape Tar Tarkov. I bought the cheapest version because I wanted to play with you guys. Yeah. And then I fell in love with it, and I was like, I want the, I want all the. the How come we don't upgrades. play anymore? I don't play online games anymore. I'm just no time. No, you can just you, we can we can play Tarkov. No way. We'll, no we'll get way. Chase. No, Chase wants to play Streets of Tarkov. Oh, it's true. There's a whole new map. Yeah, new map. All right, let's go play okay. that again. Uh, next one is when Metro Exodus and Borderlands Three were review bombed for being exclusive to the Epic Store. I don't care. That's fine. What's what's your what's your zero to five? That's like five. That's like zero. I did not care about that. That's a zero one, and I feel like <laughs> the people. Epic's done a really good job changing people's opinion by giving people free games. And yeah. it shows you how cheap uh, opinions really are, where it's like, hey, I yeah. got a free copy of Civ Five. I yeah. love you, Epic Games Store. I, I just don't understand what the problem was, at least because I was like thinking as a, from a business aspect. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, no, a new launcher? When? I think, <laughs> I, I mean, I am pro-competition because yeah. that Valve has been at the top and controlled yeah. way too much for too long. I'm anti-extra launchers. Yeah. And I'm anti-exclusive. And I think that's the thing that I was upset about. Yeah. I definitely didn't review. I've never review bombed anything. Yeah. I Unless it's like a restaurant that I'm like fucking pissed about. Actually, yeah. I was actually <laughs> thinking about that today. That's actually Jillian and I were thinking about it today. Because I was talking. I was like, yeah, this, we're going to talk about this topic. She's oh, like, I've, oh. I've, yeah. Review bombed U-Haul uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fucking U-Haul. But they no. Suck. There, was, there was a restaurant. I'm kind of giving her my location. But I think a lot of people know I live in Surrey anyways. Yeah. But uh, there is. Not a, for long. Yeah. Not for long. Um, you know, you know, what H Mart was. Yep. Um, so there was a Indian place that serves like twelve ninety nine lunch. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this is a huge tangent. But, 
I, trust me, it, it relates. It relates. Um, so we were waiting in line to go get the lunch buffet because it was like Jill and I were like, oh, before we move, we should try this place. We keep seeing it over and over. Yeah. So we got there at three o'clock mm-hmm. and I didn't know this, but um, they didn't put any signs and lunch, the lunch buffet is from 1130 to 230. Uh-huh. So no one told us this. Um, we went in, we waited for like 15 minutes to get a seat. And it was weird. Cause like, there was like a bunch of tables empty oh. and she's like, yeah, we have to clean. We're I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So we waited and then she sat and she goes, Oh, dine in. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, dine, no, no takeout. We sat and we're like, okay, cool. We're going to go, uh, get our buffet on. And we go to the buffet area and it's all empty. And we're like, Oh, this is weird. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. Like, buffet's over. I was like, why didn't you tell me that? Yeah. I was just like, fuck. And she's like, I told you that. Like, told you it's dining. I'm like, yeah, us dining Dining in. You did not. Yeah, yeah, you did not tell us that. And she's like, no. And she was like getting like ruder, like more rude every time. And she's like, do you want it? Like menu? I'm like, fuck no. So I left that. And Jill and I like, we haven't done it, but we are planning to review bomb. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean. I don't think that's a review bomb in the sense of no a review bomb is <laughs> coordinating with a bunch of people yeah. to give naked reviews. But yeah, like so, so, so for me, definition of the whole thing that's not a review review bomb. It's me giving a negative review because I actually legitimate had a personal negative experience, and I think that's just like the whole topic is that yeah. I think for me, if anyone review bombs, you're not really doing yourself a good service. Mm. Especially since I think if you are going to review something, you need to actually experience it. Totally. You don't have to complete something. I don't believe you need, especially video games. Yeah. You don't need to complete it to have an opinion. Yeah. But you need to play it a little bit. Like, yeah. To have it, your opinion, and especially a really strong one, be formed from secondhand uh, and, you know, what you've read about it. Yeah. You have no opinion. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> honestly, I know this is like an e-commerce trick is that give let people give like easy star reviews mm-hmm. without explaining why mm. I have a feeling if I was making a new website to sell something, I will not let someone review something unless you type at least 140 characters. That'd be tough. Cause you just wouldn't get many reviews. I think, I think it would be better. Yeah. I, I agree. And I want to talk about ways to like capitulate against, yeah. um, against review bombing. Yeah. But let's let's finish let's, the let's list. list. Yeah, okay, yeah. So when Warcraft Three Reforged, which was the remaster, came out, it got review review bombed because they totally lied about what it was going to be. Yeah. They showed trailers of like you know showing like upgraded visuals and upgraded oh. cinematics. They did none of it. It sucked. And then they removed access to the original. Really? Yeah. It was. I think it was the lowest audience score I got. 0. 0.5. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lowest one I could see. Yeah. Um. And. It was nice. I I pre-ordered that game because I was really fucking excited about it. No way. Like a couple days before because it was, I think, like a 25% off or something. I was like, fuck it. Yeah. And they freely offered refunds. They didn't even like, no questions asked. They're like, hey, you want a refund? And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And so zero to five, zero being unjustified five. It's probably zero. Here's the reason why. No, no. I I, I say, no, sorry. I got that mixed up. I will give them five. five Yeah. Because here's the reason why I would go five. Yep. They got rid of the original. Yeah, that's the big huge yeah. one. It's the fact that if you want, if you if you're gonna force people to play the new version, which is not really a new version. Yeah. Like, why get rid of the old one? Yeah, like, I. It's, yeah, it's very frustrating. Yeah. 
when they did same with Sonic Origins did something like that where they made it that you couldn't buy the old ways of like the really? old the episodes you had to only buy the Origins collection really annoying yeah um flag life is strange being review bombed for featuring a flag of tibet so chinese people being like yeah, that's, like that's, zero zero that, not justified five justified that's a zero that's a zero <laughs> yeah uh grand theft auto definitive edition no, that's a five for that's sure. a five yeah, that one fucking yo, so good. you know what you know what i feel so bad uh jillian bought that oh no <laughs> well here's no she bought it six months later when they fixed most of them okay so gta 3 worked pretty well yeah vice city was so bad I heard it was really bad so she got like a i think she got a refund okay so it wasn't too bad yeah. but it was like it was definitely like i i don't know i because she was like she was like talking about i'm like don't do it yeah don't do it well that's the kind of <laughs> game where it really makes me sad for modding because yeah those games on pc there is good mods and you can like yeah. you can fix a lot of stuff and upgrade visuals There's a lot of like great mods i'm like whoa damn that looks yeah. like gt5 yeah, but they wanted to resell it they repackaged it removed mod compatibility i mean rockstar's kind of in the rope of being in a little bit and i mean they have unlimited money because gta prints money and gta online prints money with very little involvement then, of them <laughs> and you think red dead redemption online is doing not bad i don't think the online did super well i think they yeah. shut that down did he shut it down i think so oh uh so i'll give that a th Three, uh, four. No, it was a, a big bummer. It was a, it was a bit five. Be a five. I'll go four. Okay, Gran Turismo Seven. When they changed it so that grinding, you had to grind way more to get cars. Basically, they fucked the economy with an update to make it that really? you had to buy so with I, re re real. Currency. I probably need Andy's on this, but just the whole context that you provided me of the changing the economy. Yeah, yeah it's a five. Yeah, totally justified. And then this one's an interesting one. Sonic Frontier got review bombed. Because video game donkey, he did a negative. <laughs> he did a negative review. Yeah, uh, and then people were reviewing the game because of his negative review. But he said that it wasn't his fans; it was Sonic fans trying to make him look bad by review bombing. No, it's definitely their game. donkey. It's definitely so. Actually, that that makes a really good point. Actually, I I was wanted to re point this out too. Is that there was that mm -hmm. those influencer led review bombing? Yeah, which is really bad and unfortunate. Because there was one game, I think Firewatch did that against PewDiePie. Yeah, and he or he he they did a copyright strike against him. Yeah, which I think it's like that's a bigger deal than that's yeah that's a big deal because that is directly to the influencer's bottom line. Yeah, but I think influencer-led view view bombing for that reason yeah. of getting copyright strike is not fair. No, and it's super. It feels like bullying, especially when it's like a small indie game versus yeah. at the time the biggest YouTube creator. I mean, he was like a fifty million at the time, Maybe, sixty million. Yeah. And I feel like I that feels like a mob in the way yeah. that some of the, some of the other ones don't feel like a mob. Like the for me going up against EA and Star Wars Battlefront didn't feel like you know yeah. mob mob mentality against EA. That was, it was that's like a everyone's really fucking pissed, it, and that, we're gonna that, make it known. That one felt like any every time you go to EA Take Two Interactive or anything. That's like a delay, the David and Goliath kind of move. Totally. And yeah. it, it feels good to punch up and win. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, no offense to PewDiePie or Dunkey, but you guys have to kind of realize you kind of led the mob into, you you led the mob to kill Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so that's kind of what I had for gaming review bombing, mm -hmm. but I'm interested to see what you think of uh, movies and TV shows that 
critics reviewed really well and audiences hated. Yeah. Uh, we'll start with Ghostbusters. So 2016 Ghostbusters, which is the all-female cast one. Oh, that was a terrible movie. So you didn't like it? Yeah. I think it's okay. It's, I, yeah, I, I understand why it's okay, but those some parts you're like, yikes. Did you watch, did you love the original? No. Okay. I, I like the original. I think it's a little overblown from people from that yeah. era. I think it's like, it's a cool mix of tone that really somehow finds its balance and works yeah. really well. I think it's just, it was cool because like in the 80s or early 90s, it was very different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because it takes go seriously, but it's still a comedy, but it's like, it's still a good yeah. sci-fi. Well, I mean like the last, the last act, you're like, holy shit. Like this guy's scary. Totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I And so it, 2016, yeah. I think it leans a little too heavy into its meta thing. I think having, you know, the villain be a incel who's commenting online yeah. in the same way that people were, <laughs> it was kind of cute, but it was also like, that's the main villain of the movie. Yeah. This is a little heavy. And then the women's are like punching ghosts and the dick and everything. Like, yeah. here's the thing. I am I'm not against wokeness. Like yep. if women want to do that, like it's fine. Mm. But I think it's just like it's too on the nose and like when I watch that movie, I'm like, what did I come out of this? Am I are they commentating how women feel about their presence online and people commenting about them? Yeah, I, I mean it's hard to remove the, you know, corporate cynicism from viewing things like that where yeah. clearly they're like, Oh, we're gonna reboot some Reboot, yeah. insert franchise here mm-hmm. with women. Yeah. And, and and it sucks because like there's a really talented, very funny women. Yeah. And I think there's funny moments in the thing. And I, I laugh watching Ghostbusters 2016. Yeah. But then you can also see how it doesn't come together in the way that it probably it, should it, have. Yeah. It def- does, I liked all the characters in it, uh, except for um, who's Thor. Uh, who, what's his name? Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth. Oh, you don't like... I like Chris no, Hemsworth. No, I, I liked it. But here's the weird kind of thing, is that they kind of objectify him. That's the point, I think. Is uh, like, yeah. That it's supposed to be like, hey, normally it'd be the hot woman character, but we got the hot yeah. dude character. But then you get the incel objectifying them, and they didn't like that, so they will punch him in the dick. I think that's like... It's one of those things where gender... We want equality, yeah. but we're so far from it that to poke fun at the inequalities is okay still. Yeah. Uh, and it's part of the pendulum swing towards what we kind of want. I think, I think, I think for me, I would be more okay if that was a good movie. <laughs> but, yeah. And I think like, I would give it a five point five. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not offended when I watched it. I was like, Oh yeah. But the ending is really fucking messy. I'll give it a 2.5. Really? That Cause the visuals weren't bad. I kind of like, it's kind of like an homage and they kind of do some yeah. good things, but I think I, I laughed enough and I enjoyed some of the action enough. Um, uh, same with like the oceans eight reboot. Didn't hate it. I like that better than Ghostbusters. Is that Ocean 6? No, Ocean's 8 is the... So there was 11, 12, 13 was the George Looney Cled oh, one. Oh, yeah. I keep getting the numbers mixed up. I like that I said George Looney Cled one, yeah. not George Clooney Led. Sandra, the Sandra Bullock one. Yes. Yeah. And no. she's his sister, I think, in the... So yeah. it's the same universe. I that was it. pretty good. Yeah. But it was also like, you can just tell it's not a natural expression of someone's mind. It's, yeah. it's a boardroom being like... What's a franchise we have that we could totally reboot with yeah. a bunch of badass women? And I think I think everyone in that movie was good. I think just the story just fell flat to me. Yeah. I was just like, I want this, but I want a good followable story. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So another movie that so go, could, p- reason I have some okay. of these on my Actually, list. Wait, wait. One well, thing. Uh, I I am I have nothing against women movies because the last two were women. <laughs> it's just that we look at well, it they're not great movies. and that's that's why i brought them up is that they were reviewed decently well yeah. critically and did really poor with audience and i think yeah. 
there is legitimate criticism, and this is always the hard part. There's legitimate criticism against this movie, and then there's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard when it's us versus them because we often move to, oh, some of the people over there are yeah. saying some bullshit thing. That means everyone's saying bullshit things. Yeah. Instead of differentiating between that's a valid argument and the fucking incels that are like, oh, I hate women. Women oh. aren't funny. No, those it's bullshit. I, like, like I love Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, she's super funny. Have you watched Spy? Oh, Spy is the, the fucking best. best movie. I oh, love that movie. That was one part. It's Same like with the heat, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, oh, I like the heat. That's a good, That's a good movie. movie. No, I just like that one part in Spy. He's like, why are you crying? It's hot outside. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much in that movie I yeah, love. I love Spy, it. If you guys have not watched Spy, that's one of the best comedies of the 2010s. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fucking funny. I love how Miss, Melissa McCarthy, this is super tangent. I love how she always casts her husband in everything. Who's her husband? Um, Shoot. Uh, we'll do a. Yeah. What's his name? I no, not I'm the Ben Falcone. Yeah, he's like that weird. He's always plays like that weird guy. Okay. Yeah, I vaguely recognize him. He's in Spy too. He's like yeah, yeah, it's so be like I love how she always casts her husband Ben Falcone yeah. or Falcone or whatever. Right. Let me go. Yeah. I love how like she always like casts her husband Ben Falcone. Like he's he's always plays like that weird kind of character who's like a tourist. He's like in Spy. He's like. The tourist that's lost going, oh, oh excuse me. Yeah. And then I think in uh, Bridesmaid, she, he's in there too. And he's the other um, federal agent. Oh, sure. yeah. So like there's always like Man. those kind of like, things. But yeah, I just I just no. love that duo. It's so good. Fair enough. Okay. So another women led movie that <laughs> oh critics God. critics thought was pretty good and audiences heard it. Uh, Captain Marvel. What are your thoughts on Captain Marvel? I think it was fine. I thought it was fine too. Yeah. I think it's it's. uh the fault is definitely not Brie Larson no. or LaShonda Lynch. It's the writing. It's just kind of bland. Yeah. And like they didn't really know which direction to take her character. Like yeah. they sort of write her as stoic, but still kind of Marvel snarky. And she's kind of just lands somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Also the plot of her, you know, having amnesia and slowly remembering that Jude Law sucks. It, it just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Jude Law. Yeah. Um, no, like, yeah. Like everything about her, like for me, she's the perfect uh, Captain Marvel. Like, yeah, she's. I think she's great. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just, it's like it's it. The movie is much better than Thor one, Thor two, and yeah. Thor four. I don't think it's better than Thor four, but definitely one and two. Yeah, one and two is bad. Uh, better than Iron Man two. It's about the same for me. Really? Yeah, I don't like Iron Man two. Yeah, it is. I don't know. It just I, it's, the movie's yeah. fine. Like, it's fine. It, it's good. It's a good movie to propel and introduce a new yeah. character. And that's another one where the review bombs were. And big part because of the incel dudes, because she spoke out against like, oh, there's enough like white male critics, like we want oh. other people, and people took all a lot of what she said, which was like you know powerful feminist stuff. Yeah, maybe slightly mistaken, maybe not. Yeah, um, but they ran with it and they got mad at her, oh. and then they got mad against the movie. I know. And then the legitimate, hey, this movie's kind of bland. Criticisms got mixed in with the fucking incel bullshit. Yeah, and then it became like a. What is this movie? Yeah, and, back, <laughs> and then back, it got review bombed. Yeah. Because for me, Brie Larson, I I have like huge Hollywood crush on her ever since Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, it's she, she's so talented. Yeah, or it, I think Twenty One Jump Street. Although that was she, she's uh, she's like the love interest in Twenty One. Oh Street. yeah. Although it's always so weird because Jonah Hill is a, you know twenty five year old police officer and undercover in high school and he 
falls in love with this 17, 18 year old girl. I didn't know. I think weird. she's 18. Yeah, but still. Her, it's weird. No, no, it's not. I, okay. I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's okay, yeah. but yeah. Anyways, um, did you watch the Watchmen TV show? No. So that one I think is pretty good. Yeah. I would probably give it a high seven. I don't think it's as good as some people say. I think this ending is really clumsy. Um, spoilers for the Watchmen show. Do you care? No, I don't care. Um, <laughs> So it's set way later than the comic book slash movie. So it's like in the 90s. So it's in the it's modern day. Oh, and so like that things have happened um, and there's still superheroes, but yeah. it's like dark and shit. Uh, but basically, there's like a politician who is, you know, not so secretly a white supremacist. And he's trying to like make whites. I think he's it's been a while yeah. trying to make a white supremacist superhero or some shit. I can't remember. Is he um, trying to like the white dragon from Peacemaker? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they, the thing that people really latched onto was that the legacy of Rorschach, who is, you know, the, yeah, the, well, a really cool character in the original kind of problematic. They latched onto the fact that they've read the, according to them, they've retconned him to being an incel, like right wing icon, libertarian, they're like more like a right wing icon, conservative icon. Yeah. And so in the show, it's kind of criticism of what Rorschach was. Oh, um, and there's like a movement of like, you know, evil yeah. right wing white supremacist people that idolize him. Yeah. Um, And I what do you think? Do you think that Rorschach is sufficiently criticized in the original source material? Or do you think that it's like and you think that it's unf it's valid to be upset that they push it so far? Or do you think that like he is, you know, a fucking kind no. of problematic figure? <laughs> he, he is problematic. Mm -hmm. Like the general like. Every single character in the Watchmen is flawed. They're super flawed. Super flawed. Um, and that's but, the point. <laughs> yeah. So Rorschach, if you're going to go on like D&D rules, a character mm -hmm. type, he's chaotic lawful to that's, a point. I don't think that's it. I think chaotic is one. Chaotic to lawful is one dimension and then good to evil is one. So it'd have to be. Oh, sorry. Chaotic. Oh, no. He's chaotic lawfully. Nuke. Lawfully. Um, uh, he's he, he's chaotic. For he's sure. chaotic. Uh, Neutral. Good. He's chaotic. Good. Because. Okay. Yo, he used to be very neutral to start because I remember reading the comic book mm -hmm. as a kid. I should not have read that comic it's book too as a kid. Dark. But yeah, like all to a point, he's like he's just the he's like based enough. They try to make him Batman. Yeah, he's without, uncompromising the Batman. Yeah, yeah without well, most of the gadgets. Yeah. Um. So basically enough, at that point when he, I think, uh, I I blocked this part in my mind when he sees that like that that guy who butchers his wife or his kid, he just kind of snapped. Mm. And he kind of like, I'm not going to wait for the law. I'm going to take the law in my yeah. own hands and just becomes like that vigilante where you kind of root for him. Yeah. But you, then you kind of have to think about it. You're like, Ooh, is that actually right? Yeah. Cause like, yes, that man committed a really horrible, horrific crime, but does that give you the right to kill him? And I, I, it's something I honestly have to tackle with is like, is a vigilante justice. It's like, no, we shouldn't have it because it's too dangerous. Who gets to decide? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, would the world be better? But I, it's interesting because I think the movie, it's been a while since I've read the graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, I'm more f recently fresh on the movie. I feel like the movie praises him, but also recognizes he's a broken dude. No, no, he's 100% broken dude because you can see him after that point when he kind of starts uh, devolving to that sense of just yeah. being law, like, just like good. Yeah. Like, quote, um, like in the movie, he like says like, oh, I'm not trapped in here with, with yeah, you, yeah. you're trapped in here with me. And he like 
fucks people up. Yeah. And, you know, his personal hygiene suffers. His yeah. mentality is just like gone. And then, you know, in the end, he kind of redeems himself. He's like, I'm going to expose you. And well, all that see, stuff. I love that moral dilemma where yeah. Ozymandias knows that Rorschach is uncompromising and will expose yeah. it, yeah. even though maybe this move is for the greater good of the world. Yeah. And so he has to kill him. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Rorschach, he, he doesn't know. Uh, Dr. Manhattan kills him. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Dr. Manhattan believes in it. Or he, 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 yeah. Cause Dr. Manhattan has lost all his humanity, but he recognizes that like objectively logically his plan yeah. is great. I will kill millions to save billions. Yes. And yeah. I, I, that's a great <laughs> moral dilemma. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, and Rorschach knows he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to do that. And yeah. like, good for him for sticking to it to the end. But it's also, I absolutely do believe even though maybe he's not presented as a conservative right-wing icon i can absolutely see how like those yeah. punisher pin wearing types would flock to yeah. that iconography and be like oh no matter what i'll dodge fighting for what i believe in and i'll kill for what i believe I mean, in it's kind of happening right now 100 percent. yeah and so i i understand i think that the show does a pretty decent job uh justifying why like people maybe misinterpret rorschach maybe yeah. rorschach wasn't the problem but the way people see what he did he is never wanted to be an icon anyway well, no, he just wanted to do the kind of justice he believed in. Yeah. Um, so to reverse now, let's go opposite side where things got really low reviews, but then found big success with audiences. Ooh. So one is Uncharted movie. You watch the Uncharted movie? Yeah, no, we were, we had that Christmas thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It was we, now thinking about it. Cause I watched part of it on prime. Yeah. I'm like, it's fine. It's totally fine. I just replayed Uncharted four and lost legacy. Oh really? Um, they're great. No, they, it lost they, legacy. That's the like uh, sides. No, no, no. Oh. That's the like uh, expansion, but like standalone expansion. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're both very good. Lost yeah. Legacy, I think, this holds up slightly better. Um, fuck, man, they look really good on PS5. Yeah, but the there's a few moments where you're like, oh, we don't make games like this anymore for a reason. Yeah, but the movie is okay it doesn't capture the spirit yeah. of the game they, to me they made the here's the problem with the movie is that they took too many elements from all three the first three games and four there's some elements from four, four? well like the pirate ship and shit like in the cave that's like oh yeah from, it doesn't yeah. matter but yeah but, yeah they took too many elements it's like you just you just pick a lane dude yeah, yeah. And, and i think that you can tell they didn't have confidence in any of the stories that like you said they have to kind of pull from all of it yeah. and make this one super story honestly it's like just give me the first one with zombie like nazi zombies that's dope yeah um but i think i think here's the biggest problem they should not have marky mark in that movie he had no business in that movie well so my theory and i, I talked about it on the carpal critics podcast yeah. my theory is they had signed him to be nathan drake 10 years oh, ago Oh no way yeah so he was gonna be the nathan drake when it was the original version of the yeah. movie and then it got caught in development hell took 10 years yeah. and then they're like eh. and then they got Tom Holland to be Nathan Drake young yeah. Drake yeah. and they're like we already have a pretty big fucking star signed on let's keep him what role works Sully he should have yeah. been Sam Drake man as yeah as Nathan Drake's brother it would have been like Here, okay he's a little bit too old but yeah. I'm fine with Tom Holland being Nathan yeah young Nathan yeah it's fine that'd be pretty cool him being Sam Drake that'd be really cool because yeah. Like Mike Marky Mark, he can kind of like be evil. Like yeah. you don't know. And here's the perfect Sully, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, he would have been fucking amazing. Yeah. So like, if you had those three, I'd be like, 
this is dope. Yeah. Like that would be like, I would have just been like, hell yeah. No one can convince me this movie sucks. Yeah. It would have been great. Yeah. And then I think it just have Nolan North or no, he had, he had a cameo. I don't want to talk too long about the entire movie because nobody fucking cares anymore. Yeah. Um, Uncharted's great. Yeah. What about the Jurassic World movies? Are movies that reviewed poorly, audiences reviewed poorly, but it made a fuck ton of money. Why are people watching Jurassic World movies? Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, which is she's great. Okay, she's good. Uh, I like the first two. I did not watch the third one. I watched it. I don't plan on watching the third one. Here's one that is really interesting to me because it was one of the first really big Netflix movies, and that's Will Smith and Joel Edgerton in Bright. I love that movie. That was great. You loved it. Hey, yeah. okay, so tell me about what works for you. Okay. You know what? I think here's, here's the reason why I like, I grew up on fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like I love the stories of like elves and fairies and dragons and orcs. I love all that. And I was like, Oh, they brought it into like LA modern, like true modern times. Yeah. Like if literally, if I never knew what fantasy was, this is what, this is what I would yeah. think. And I think it's also ironic they've kind of treated orcs as, um, you know, I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to be PC as possible. They treat orcs as like black people. Yes. Like they, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say what, what it is, like how they treat orcs in the movie. They treat them like scum of the earth yeah. and you're bad and you're a bad yeah, guy. They're, well, they're hated. and Yeah. By a black guy. Yeah. Which is very kind of ironic. I think it, it's, yeah, it's, it kind of helps make the point. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the orcs are sort of like the people of color, you know, downtrodden. And yeah. Joel Edgerton's character, who's like, you know, the police orc, he's the first police orc. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you can't be a police orc. Orcs are evil. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like the elves that are like the rich people. Yeah. Uh, they're so pretty and, and like they're so privileged. Yeah. Um, and I I like that setup, but the acting in the movie is like just weird. It's like not, when they get the like great. the magic staff that can grant a wish or whatever and i remember yeah i can remember specifically when the cops are like what do we do what do we do and like they huddle around and yeah. it's like such a weird like still to no scene. i mean i think they're kind of like trying to do equivalents of like oh we have like a million dollars here what do we yeah do? so it's it has like that it definitely has room for improvement yeah but um yeah i i find like i was like really hoping to make like a true sequel but they mm. made a stupid animated sequel i've heard that they are gonna make a sequel because it made a lot of money it was very successful and audiences think, yeah really rated it high it has like 25 percent of Rotten tomatoes but like an 80 percent audience yeah. rating i think it was just like i think to me it's like the world was interesting enough that it outweighed will smith and i think will, i don't think he was the, the problem though. no no i mean it's not the fact that it's like will smith's a problem i think it's like it's, I just, it's just yeah maybe i'll take that back it's like he wasn't the problem. He was actually pretty good in the movie. Like he was really like the good mentor, even though he didn't like. The well, I mean, yeah, he's like the reluctant, you know, guy who's realizing his racism is unjustified. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big trope of movies, like Green Book too. It's like, and it's, yeah. it's surprising that it's still told in today, where it's like, like, oh, I'm a racist, but like you know, I'm not the worst racist. And then you kind of like he you get put beside someone who's just suffering discrimination, and like. Through being beside that person, they realize, hey, maybe orcs aren't so bad. Or yeah. Like- so it's it was it was I think it was an interesting play on it because like Will Smith gets to play a quote unquote white guy. Yeah. Instead of being the black guy. Yeah. Like I think he was thirteen years. No, he wasn't. What movie was he? A slave. That's yeah. that just came out. That's like the Apple TV. Movie yeah. Movie. I haven't watched that. Yeah. I don't. That movie doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard good things. And if I haven't heard that Will Smith is 
did a good performance. I feel like yeah. that means that he didn't do a good performance. Because right. you heard all about it after uh, King Richard. Yeah. Um, last things is, do you think if you could only pick one, either audience reviews or critic reviews, which one would you pick and why? I will still go with critics reviews. Mm. Just for the fact that it's, it's a number I can count on. Mm-hmm. Audience, just like we kind of said before, it could be mob led. Yeah. People could just be hurt about some sort of LGBTQIA plus. People can be just like, oh, there's like a gay relationship. Yeah. And I don't like that. Therefore, this is bad. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, their criticisms are, is so dynamic mm-hmm. that it's unreliable. Totally. I, I would have, to, if I could only pick one, I would pick critic reviews because their only objective is to give you a review. Yeah. Hey, maybe, you know, there's a couple shitty ones that have bad takes or whatever, but generally they're trying to give you what their opinion is. The thing that we don't talk about is often the people that are selected to review a game from an outlet are probably people that are predisposed to like it, or even just like how important an editor's influence on a review is. Like, let's say you're an IGN manager and you're like, Oh man, I really love Zelda. I better make sure that the Zelda review is written by someone who also loves the Zelda instead of choosing someone, you know, doesn't like Zelda Mm -hmm. to write it. Like that's, you have the power to choose who does it. And there is definitely ways to, you know, game the system and do that stuff. But I, this is not an option, but I would rather not have scores and I would rather just have like written reviews or just videos and be able to like get the information in a real way. Yeah. I think I think when we're kind of going back to your point, like let me just do two points here. Mm-hmm. Is that you know going back to like the Zelda, I would I would never get someone who doesn't like Zelda to review a Zelda game, mm-hmm. just for the fact that that person will not appreciate what Zelda is, mm-hmm. and then also he probably does not know or have played the previous Zeldas mm-hmm. to make that kind of comparison. Well, that's what's tough. Is I think yeah. ideally. You get three people to review every game. You yeah. get someone who loves it, someone yeah. who hates it, and you know somewhere somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And then you get a good broad perspective because maybe the person who loves it has all these specific criticisms about things they've changed and they hate it, or maybe the person who hated it loves it because you know they fixed all these things that they've hated in the past, or you know maybe opposite. And I love getting a bunch of context, and I think that's always the key: is being reminded that as an audience. The critics have a context in which they're reviewing a game. You know, yeah. they might have only had a small amount of time, not enough time to experience all the bugs you're going to, or, you know, they had to but, but, like smash through it. So they're missing all the side content yeah. or, you know, they're told this is the game in it with an asterisk. It's pre-released. These things are going to be fixed. Yeah. Um, or, you know, even on a more subtle level, you they're before any other reviews comes out, there's like a context that's missing to the review. Yeah. They're going to have a totally different experience than you are. And yeah. so it's important for you mm-hmm. not to look at numbers. The numbers mean fucking nothing. It's yeah. important to look at the information that yeah. they're providing. I, I really miss this review guide. I can't remember what the, the channel was um, just for context. If you're interested in finding out, it was run by a guy who played that trampoline basketball slam ball. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. if you're listeners, if you want to find out who what I'm talking about, go redhead. But um I miss the when I love the reviews because they would have three categories. Mm-hmm. No, three categories, three ratings to the end. Okay. Don't buy it, rent it, and well, yeah. Buy don't, it. Buy oh, it, rent, don't, don't buy, buy it. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a good. That's good. Granted, you can't really rent things anymore. No. So I mean, yeah, that's why I always go is like if C said buy it, it's a game to play. Yeah. Rent it is like 
try it. Yeah. And then don't buy it, obviously. Well, and I find movie reviews are different for me than game reviews. Movie reviews, I'm going to look at my my perfect system of looking at Rotten Tomatoes and an audience and then yeah. IMDb and Metacritic and finding what that all means and how they, they cross cross a line and yeah. stuff. But for games, I don't really look at reviews like, yeah, sure, I'll look at the Metacritic and be like, wow, holy shit, that has like a 89% yeah. or like, oh, it's only 60%. Okay. But really, I'm looking at, I feel like I look at more influencers. Yeah. Uh, and like people that I know and that have similar opinions and I like the content that they're making. Yeah. And I wonder, I've been, I've been having this thought. There's a lot of academic study of movies. And I think that's how kind of film criticism yes. really thrived was, you know, you, you go to film school and you're not good enough to make movies. So you make, become a film critic. <laughs> that's yeah. not necessarily universally true. Yeah. But so there's like an academic study of, you know, the themes and the ideas and the technical execution. Yeah. Whereas, yes, you can go to school for video games, but there's, not that many people that like, go to school for video games and then end up yeah. being a critic. Being a critic feels like a very natural thing. Like I yeah. feel like I could become, I could become a film critic because I've been to film school, but I, you could yeah. also become a film critic without it. But I feel like people have these, I feel like there's less academic study of video game criticism. Yeah. Like there's it's, less. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. Is that also like additional kind of content of why video games and TV shows are different, mm -hmm. especially adaptations is I think the point of attention is way different. Mm -hmm. You're going to pay attention 10 times more in a video game than a movie because you're just kind of in a roller coaster experiencing things. With a video game, you're always going to be checking what's going to kill you or yeah. eliminate you uh, in a game, so you're going to be more attentive. I think that's, that's very true. I yeah. think that one advantage movies have is that they have a much more strong editorial voice as to what yep. you're looking at. At yep. any point, they're 100% in control of what your frame will be. Yep. So yeah, for two hours, they're, every image that's flashing into your eyes 100%. is 100% control, whereas yep. a video game, it's a lot, you have a lot of agency as a player to yeah. uh, tell the story, like to communicate the story that they're telling to yeah. you. Because yeah, because it's like things that you do, like for example, it's just, this is the worst game to ever bring up, like Saint Row. Okay. And then, sure. And it's like, you know, you have the cutscene, you made your character, but he has yeah. a big penis hat. Yeah. So, like, it really breaks the storytelling. Totally. Because you see this guy goes, ha ha, I have a big penis hat. Yeah. And you're like, oh. So, like, that's that's the kind of like difference is that, like, with movies, you basically will be taken to this journey. Yeah. You're just experiencing it. But with video games, you can, do you have the kind of similar experience in cutscenes? But in the gameplay, you can be like that guy who's like, yeah, I got like a triple headshot. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be paying attention to that instead of like, oh, I'm saving that girl because those three guys were there. Well, and there's a lot of video games that their primary intent isn't storytelling. Yeah. There can be a story. There can be a world. But like even, you know, Metro Dread or something. It's like it has a story. It has an interesting yeah. world and great lore. But the primary point to play it is fun. And yeah. the primary point is like the experience. Yeah. Whereas, you know, compared to Last of Us or yeah. Uncharted or something where it's the whole point is that it it's a movie that you're playing. Yeah. But I think the 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 level of storytelling control goes so far as like you are the camera operator yeah. in a video game. Like you choose the camera angles as you're playing. Like yeah. I find myself sometimes when I'm playing, you know, a really good looking game or a cinematic game. I will purposefully like walk around a corner really slow and yeah. slowly move the camera so that it's like more cinematic yeah. and give myself that experience because, you know, I'm the camera operator <laughs> and yeah. I, I get to do that for yeah. myself. So, I mean, like it's, that's the, that's the kind of thing is that it's in a big kind of sandbox world. So mm -hmm. I think it's, 
it's going to be like, if there is a school for video game critics, it's going to be immensely hard. Mm -hmm. Like, cause my experience with the last, oh, well, like, well, my experience with one game and we played the same game, mm -hmm. we can go, oh yeah, did you like do this? And like, oh no, I did like this. Mm -hmm. Especially like game of the last of us. Two, where you can have different ways. You're like, oh, I'm just going to shotgun everyone yeah. in the face. Or I'm going to be stealthy and mm -hmm. unlock the clickers here and they kill everyone for me. It's so it's such a different experience. Totally. And I think that's a huge part of it where everyone's experience is a little bit different. I also think that game journalism coming to prominence in an era where content quality isn't important and <laughs> content quantity is, where yes. every website has to have every game covered. Yeah means that not all your writers can be really good yeah. uh, writers who who are digging deeper into what the games mean or what the game systems do. Yeah. And they're just giving you the bare minimum because yeah. they have to produce seven articles a week or whatever. Exactly. Especially in a world where in games today, you have the AAA games, yeah. the big releases of the year. But then you have like every AAA game, there's a hundred indie games you have to review. 100%. And yeah. like the main journalists that are doing you know like the six minute reviews or whatever on youtube and the ones that are doing written there's no time there's no place i totally appreciate all the people that go deep in their hour-long video essays on yeah. youtube but there's this like i feel like there's a lack of this middle ground of these yeah. succinct but really thoughtful and insightful reviews mm -hmm. i find i maybe you guys audience let me know if you find not like a creator you like because of their personality yeah. or that but like Someone who really does the deep analysis in a short span or like has a really good discussion in a small amount of minutes. Because I, I know a lot of good video essays, but it's like I don't always want to watch three hour long breakdowns of entire series. Yeah. I want like someone who gets to the point or like even like every frame of painting or nerd writer, like people that do really specific breakdowns of theory or ideas in a movie but yeah. for video games succinctly is there people that do that i think the closest one to me that i enjoy that i can consistently go i haven't watched him for a while but mm -hmm. if i went back to him i would probably enjoy his content yeah um granted grain of salt uh it's old games is angry video game nerd he does a very good job of conveying opinion about the games he's playing granted those games are very very simple I, I love his content. I really enjoyed it. I've watched yeah. probably most of the videos, yeah. but that's not quite what I want. I want someone who, you know, is, and this is going to be really pretentious to me, but mm. is intellectualizing video games. Like mm. someone, this is a terrible example, but the example I always use for how video games can tell stories uniquely is Bioshock, where yeah. the would you kindly moment, spoilers for Bioshock. <laughs> oh. Um, what happens is, you know, you play the whole game, you meet this person, I can't remember his Andrew name. Andrew Ryan. No, Andrew Ryan's the full villain. But the you get someone over the radio who's got this Irish accent or whatever. Oh, that guy. And he, he's yeah. giving you advice like, oh, you should go do this. But he always says, would you kindly do this? Would you kindly do that? And it's revealed oh, to you yeah. probably through the game that would you kindly is your code word that you're programmed to obey. Yeah. And it's this moment of like weird meta narrative where as a, as a player, you don't have a choice. If you don't listen to would you kindly. Yeah you don't get to play the game. Mm -hmm. And so you as a player are kind of a slave to the, the phrase. Yeah. And it's this really clever, clever meta narrative moment that won't work in a movie, won't work in a TV show. Yeah. And it's really, really clever. And there's people that have broken down that moment because, you know, someone talked about it or we all experienced it. Yeah. It's cool, but I want more breakdowns of like stuff like that, of meta narrative yeah. analysis and uh, you know, thematic breakdown and, and stuff that, that makes me appreciate 
the writing and creative, uh, you know, design of yeah, video games. It seems like you you're trying to get like a people who do those like TV show video essays or movie es- video yeah. essays into that format. It's almost to me like, is that possible? Like, is it like fitting a, uh, you know, in a peg in a square hole or that maybe kind of situation? I just like I remember very specifically. It's probably a video essay a lot of people have seen, but it's like why Edgar Wright comedies are so much better than other ones, and it's yeah. basically a breakdown of like how visual comedy is important, and yeah. like we've lost that art because you know lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. And I want someone to make it like why, uh, you know, fucking. Naughty Dog, their games are better than other people's games. Like, what are the specific things that they're doing that are doing? And like, maybe it's I. Maybe I have to make this content. Maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. Maybe, and I want to like break yeah. down, like you know, like how they're leading your eye with perspective and leading lines and like color yeah. to like make you experience things as they want. I, and I, yeah. I'm sad that that content doesn't exist. These really deep, insightful breakdowns with a ton of knowledge. And that's what's hard is. That yeah. no, that the, that knowledge on knowledge on the theory of storycraft, yeah. but also game design that I do not know. Actually, you know, thinking about it, I think the closest person to that kind of analysis. Granted, I'm basing this because he was the film producer on Polygon. Is Brian David Gilbert? Brian David Gilbert. Yeah, he. Uh, I can't remember any video games he did cover, but he did a really good job on the Halo novel series. Okay. That was really good. And I I think he's a gamer. I think he is. Um, but yeah, I think he's he'll be like your closest thing because okay. he does like a really deep dive analysis on the Halo book series. Oh, that's cool. That was like, oh, that's like video game-esque. Yeah. And then now he's branched off his own. He's doing kind of random content. But maybe check out like his Polygon stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I will check him out. Audience, if you know someone, I don't want to hear your favorite video essayist that you like. I want someone that is like the nerd, nerd writer or... Like art of art, uh, every frame of painting, but for video games. Yeah. If that doesn't exist, <laughs> give me money and I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I just want to sum it up. So we both agree that um, if we're going to follow a critic, we'll f- we'll follow the professional. If we're going to choose one, I think the audience rating definitely gives me perspective. Yeah. I've I've seen a lot of movies. Uh, I think last one I watched was Supernatural or like Extraordinary. It was some. British indie movie about uh, a lady who has a sensitivity to ghosts yeah. or whatever. And she gets pulled into like the occult <laughs> and it's this big thing. And the audience or the critic reviews were like 95%. And really? I, and the, but the audience rating, but I got excited about it when it was only critic reviews. Yeah. And then I was, it was one of those ones that was like stuck in festivals or wasn't available. Mm-hmm. And when I eventually was able to see it, the audience review was like 40% and the Whoa. critic one was 95. And I was like, huh? Yeah. I was so excited to see it anyway because the trailer was hilarious and I watched it um, and it fell right into line with what I expect based on that divergence yeah. is it's clever and there's cool stuff and like, you know, it's good, but it's kind of boring. Yeah. I, I kind of wish critics aren't friends because sometimes like critics friends will kind of influence everyone. Mm. So that could be it because like my kind of experience with that from at least on the movie side mm-hmm. would be um rogue one i thought that movie was not as good as everyone it was it's not it's fine yeah it's like okay that movie's so overrated sorry star wars yeah, fans it's it, fine it's 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 the characters kind of suck yeah 
Everyone's kind of boring. It's like, last oh. 30 minutes is fucking awesome, though. I will give it that. Oh, no. The beach stuff? I was like, God, yeah. Uh, that's all good. Um, and then I think you already said The Last Jedi. That was like, that was like, oh, 90%. Is that the second one or the third one? That's the second. Second one, yeah. That one's like 95%. So that was so a hugely high critic rating. Yeah. Very low audience yeah. rating. Like, there's some, there's definitely parts of it. And I'm like, oh, like, it, everything shot well. Everything mm-hmm. built well. It just was like, oh, that's it. See, I... I'm a staunch Last Jedi devotee. No. And I, I've, I'm exhausted from the, yeah, yeah. the talking of it. But I think that some of the moments in The Last Jedi are some of the heights. I mean, there's a pretty low bar. Definitely yeah. some of the heights of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. But some of the heights of Star Wars for me. Like, really? It is the best Jedi moment. I will have to fight because I'm saying these words. Yeah. The greatest Jedi moment in any of the movies is yeah. Luke Skywalker using pacifism to beat the fucking empire he doesn't fight he he shows a projection of himself he oh, uses yeah, his yeah, jedi yeah, yeah. abilities for non-violence and defeats the empire that's the fucking perfect jedi moment because he because he made him look bad that's yeah nothing. and he like he made he broke kylo ren he 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 defeated them and allowed the rebels to escape yeah some of the rebel escape stuff's a little bit dumb i totally see a lot of the flaws of that movie yeah but that moment is fucking awesome yeah. and it's I, powerful. Yeah, I think too. I think my only kind of problem with that movie, super terrible, going fucking Star Wars yeah, every time. Yeah, um, is and we don't talk Star Wars often, so I'm indulging. Yeah, so I think it's just the moment of like seeing all those walkers shoot and like, and it seems like Luke Skywalker is like blocking, like yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. It's like let's just, let's go. Yeah, and then it's like oh, he's not there. Fuck. <laughs> See, I think that that's like the most brilliant thing because you yeah. just assume, you know, oh, he's a Jedi, he's blocking everything. Yeah. No, he just outsmarted them so simply. Yeah. I I think it's, I have complex feelings about, you know, him disappearing into the forest yeah, after. I but like, I also oh. think like that's, I was fine with that. Yeah. Um. I also think the moment when Kylo Ren kills Snoke and then they fight together against that, that <laughs> yeah. was fucking awesome. <laughs> and valid yeah. criticism is, you know, like, is Snoke a real villain? I think there was plans for Snoke. Ryan Johnson had a plan for Snoke, you know, yeah. bigger because he looked like he had died and come back before, like based on his scars and shit. But but they they erased that in the sequel. But yeah, everyone always criticizes the fucking fight, being like, "Well, you can see the stunt guys oh, like idling." Yeah, you don't normally give a fuck about that. That's yeah. in every fucking group fight. So ever. So here's here's the problem: is that if people want to criticize that, criticize the raid yeah holy shit criticize every fight yeah. movie ever yeah like you watch the raid it's all like oh because we we're doing a lot of cuts um make sure you're waving your arms really fast yeah i love the raid because it's yeah. just like intense awesomeness one of my favorites but it's like i'm not concentrating on the guys in the back i'm, mm. I'm fucking watching ren i'm watching like whatever like the two yeah. guys fighting i don't give a shit they're yeah. just moving because they're like Oh, like, yeah, we can't just like stand still. 100%. And we've yeah. circled around again. We did it. Yeah. On why audience reviews are kind of shitty because yeah. we have this modern hyper focus due to like, you know, cinema sins and, and shitty video essays yeah. that focus in on like nitpicks. Yeah. And we blow them so fucking far to proportion. Yeah. Whereas like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, nobody noticed them because they don't fucking matter. Yeah. And like, instead we're like, we're constantly looking for things to be hyper realistic, hyper believable. Yeah. And we've totally lost you know, the ability to just enjoy things and oh, 100%. filmmakers are so afraid of 
reaching out and making bigger, weirder, wilder yeah. things because they don't fit into the box that won't be criticized by CinemaSins. Yeah. Let, let me let me just do this, like, based on that example, right? So let's just say Jurassic Park, the first one, mm -hmm. came out now, right? Yeah. Still was amazing. It's great. Yeah. Everyone loves it. <clears throat> Here's an example of what would happen right now because of the culture that we're in and everyone's fucking nitpicking. Yeah. They will nitpick that scene where the kid gets electrocuted a different... Oh, thousand yeah, different that's times. Not how it would happen. It's like we're gonna get veritasium. It's gonna be like, yeah. oh, can a kid really like jump that far out? Yeah, no. There. Oh, it's like you're gonna have Mr. Beast going, Would you hold this wire for a million dollars? Like you would have yeah. like that scene depicted yeah. and nitpick and dissect. Yeah. Well, and you would get times. like 17 videos of fucking people breaking down on how Jurassic Park could never happen. This yeah. wasn't make any sense. And it's like, no. It fucking doesn't, but yeah. it's interesting idea to do a sci-fi, and the, it's dope. the hubris of science. Like yeah. the whole point is this discussion. It's like the, I can see the title Spielberg got it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Where's the feathers? Yeah, exactly. And so, I think there is valid criticism, and you know, movies being so outlandish that they're not believable. Because there's a yeah. difference between realism and believable. Yeah. And I think realism doesn't matter; believable does. <laughs> And I think that there's, you know, there's valid points to things being totally outlandish and ridiculous. Yeah. But I think we've hyper fixated on realism. Yeah. And it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Because I just, I just fact too, it's like, you also, know. I just, let me finish my, yeah. my point. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. I think also this is, this is going to get me in trouble with people. I'm so sorry if you're mad about this. We are all influenced by the shit, the media that we partake in. And you probably don't realize how much of your opinion is shaped by a creator or an article oh. you read. No, 100%. And like, you think that that's your opinion? No, it was given to you. <laughs> I and did. I think like yeah. when when we consume those, you know, cinema sins and like, why the last Jedi fucking sucks? It's yeah. not your opinion and you didn't feel that way. Yeah. You just saw something that made you be like, yeah, that was stupid. Yeah. No, because for me, when I, I would just kind of defend my criticism of the last Jedi, which yeah. is like, I think I agree with you. Like for me, I'm getting influenced by your devotion to yeah. it. Yeah, but I will go still kind of go. There was definitely like moments of like, mm. oh, it's awesome. But it's also kind of like, eh. oh, for sure. It's not the best sequel in my opinion. I still like Force Awakens because that's just a fun romp. It's like, wee. Okay, sure. um, but I will kind of go like this, like just kind of like sum up how I would do it. Right. To get outside of that being influenced. Yeah. I think websites like Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb and metacritic <laughs> before you get to see audience opinion you have to this is super hard i don't know you never do this, this but yeah, yeah but yeah. uh you have to verify you actually played it or <laughs> yeah. played at least a little bit yeah. or a watched it or you know mm. went to a movie theater and the, the score is like blank and you yeah. can't see it well, I, that's what I would. I, I love that idea. Yeah, I no, don't think but, they could ever implement yeah, it, but, but, but I the thing love is that, that after idea. you verify it, then you give your review, then you can see the result. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, oh, was I wrong? Yeah. Why? And then you kind of like try to defend it or you kind of like yeah. try to figure out and why. I think you're people wrong. would realize that like it's, it can be hard coming up with your own opinion. Like yeah. when I watched White Noise, did that, I don't know if that made it into an episode that got published or not. Yeah. But when I watched White Noise, I knew I said seen zero reviews. I yeah. knew nothing. I saw a trailer. I was like, that looks pretty cool. Like Adam Driver, I like Noah Bomback. Yeah. And like even as someone I think who has a pretty solid basis for my film opinions. Yeah. It took me a while to be like, is this good or is this shit? <laughs> and like I, I it yeah. took me like half an hour, 45 minutes into the movie to be like, oh, this is shit. 
Yeah. Uh, and it takes a while when you're a hundred percent blind forming yeah. your own opinion Yeah. because you have to get data points. And when you look at reviews, that's just data points you get to bring in and mm. be like, oh yeah, that is shit. Or like you read something. Oh yeah, that is shit. Yeah. Or vice versa. You're a contrarian and you're like, wow, critics love this. Well, yeah. fuck that. I like, you don't even, I don't even realize it. Or I realize it more now because I'm more conscientious of it. Yeah. How much, if I go into something that has crazy high reviews, yeah. how much I don't want to like it. I want to be like, oh, that's fucking bullshit. These people are so yeah. wrong. I'm, wow. I'm almost the exact same way. It's like, cause I know everyone, I, I think I'm like the single digit people in the world who still hasn't seen everything all at once. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. But here's the thing right there. It's like, everyone's like, oh, it's so amazing. You're going to love it. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. I have like, I talked to Jillian cause it's on prime video. Yeah, yeah. It's like really close to just like, oh, we can just watch it. I do not want to watch it anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to force you to watch it. I think it's great. It's I great. You will. Yeah. It's, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. You will enjoy it. Yeah. It's a fun movie. It's, and a, it's not yeah. like a pretentious, like, Oh wow. The meaning of life. It's yeah. like, yo, there's like the craziest Kung Fu shit I've ever seen. Yeah. There's people with giant fucking fingers and like weird shit. Here's, here's, here's the problem is that like, everyone's like, Oh, Michelle, yo, she's so amazing. I'm like, I grew up on her movies. Mm -hmm. Cause uh, it was, she was just like a celebrated woman actress no. in my family. Cause she's, she's Malaysian. Malaysian. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, we all loved her. And everyone's like, yeah, she's so great. And I'm like, I fucking like, for yeah, me, I, like, I, I, yeah, I start like, I'm starting to gatekeep. I'm like, fuck you. You I, guys don't know yeah. shit. Granted, her in the Witcher prequels, apparently that's shit and that's embarrassing. That's not her fault. That's just a bad, bad <laughs> yeah, franchise. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just the kind of like weird things, like just going back to your point, mm -hmm. it's like everyone's just like, I'm a contrarian in there. Yeah. Because everyone's just like, watch it, watch it. Yeah. 100%. And it, it, the, the opposite is true too, where like with a band where you feel like you've discovered them and you love them so much and then they go mainstream. Yeah. And maybe like, maybe objectively they're as good as they've ever been. Fall but, up boy. But they're no longer yours. Yeah. And Fall then all of a sudden you're like, I don't like it. No, I no. don't like well, them anymore. I, I will I will say this. Maybe people will agree or disagree. I like Fall Out Boy and then they sold out and it became shit. <laughs> <laughs> Most bands eventually do, especially yeah. when they get a little bit older. But yeah. But I think that's, it's, it's hard. There's no single person that's right. I think it's valid to be you know cynical of reviewers because yeah. some have an agenda and yeah. some don't i will say most don't most just you know they're bringing in their context their life yeah. experience this and they're picked for that review or they like mm. the thing so they make a review yeah they're not being like i want to fuck the system up yeah. they're just like they're doing their thing and most audiences you know they're having their experience and everyone is influencing everyone yeah yeah it's it's a whole hive mind it's the kind of thing that I wanted to kind of like almost like end on yeah. on this is that I will always say this and this is take it with a grain of salt. It's not, I'm not personally calling you out is that um, our person is smart. People don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree <laughs> yeah. with that. But the thing is that what I really <laughs> kind of some dumb persons. <laughs> yeah. Those dumb persons. Oh, those dumb people able to influence your dumb persons, but I don't know, whatever. Um, but the one thing I kind of want to take away from this is that it's not the fact that I'm saying, no, you don't have a right of opinion. Be conscious about your opinion. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I went in, like, for example, I did not like the Uncharted movie. I still think it's not great, but it's, okay. mm -hmm. it's passable. If my, if my nieces and nephews go, okay, oh, I watch it. I'm like, oh, you'll probably enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But for me, I won't enjoy it, but I will never say that to them because I don't want to influence them. But it's like, like I went in there going to hate it. Yeah. 
and it had that that piece of media had to like fight that's fair i will end on the thought that uh not all opinions are created equal <laughs> and it's not that like all critic audiences or critic reviews are better than all audience reviews yeah but i think that social media has empowered everyone to feel like their voice is important and yep. sometimes it's okay to listen and yeah. i think like reviews is a microcosm of this greater issue of everyone always has to have an opinion everyone always has to make it known yeah and sometimes it's okay to like sit back and like let people who yeah. maybe know a little bit more than you yeah. tell you why things are good why things are bad and then you can form your own opinion it's important to take the data points and form your own opinion yeah but maybe you don't need to let everybody know and like Hey, creators on YouTube that have bad takes, hey, yeah. maybe uh, you should learn a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, the the creators that want it, this is a whole different topic. The creators who <laughs> have those bad takes, yeah, know they have a bad take. Yeah, some of them do. Yeah, so I mean, it's like what's what's most sensational? That what's more sensational right now? If that's a topic, I love the Last of Us TV show, or I hate the Last yeah. of Us TV show. Like people will click on the hate. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's I'm gonna we'll talk about that later. <sighs> clickbait, but click—that's a bait. whole other topic. Oh god, I love I love doing clickbait. Yeah. Titles. Well, let's uh let's end it there. I had other stuff that I'm going through, but uh, we'll have to save that. Yeah. Oh, here's here's one thing I want to note. Uh, I'm just gonna give give me a couple minutes. Uh, so I'm moving. Yes. Um, this podcast is recorded in my house, which is no longer going to be the set. Yes. So. You're, we're going to try to bankroll some of these episodes, but eventually enough, the podcast is going to be remote. Yes. So it's going to be me on one side, David on one side. and Maybe a guess. A guess, yeah. I think that's the side. ideal, yeah. So it's going to change a little bit, but that's still like a month or a month and a half. Yeah. So just FYI. But also, I, I, I wanted to point that out just for informational. Uh, one thing is that I kind of realized something about moving. Mm. And everyone hates moving. Everyone hates moving sucks i hate moving for a different reason that people uh, might not know tell me it's finding out that i buy too much shit <laughs> <laughs> and it's the fact of uh me realizing how much of a consumer i am because mm. i go oh look at all these like battery banks i have why do i need six of these yeah and it's just like my, my head going oh i slowly accumulated yeah. these over the last six totally. years yeah so I will have to, I will, uh, everyone who is listening, who's still listening, uh, go at Riley Murdoch and go, Jono says Riley is right by being a minimalist. <laughs> do not buy things you do not need. Yeah. Always think of what you have and then buy when that breaks. Yeah. So, thanks, well, Riley. and it's, it's a lot easier to keep that going than to like start from scratch or like, yeah. like you to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And I, I, uh, I struggle with that too. I mean, yeah. I am in the process of trying to sell a bunch of stuff. Like I, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I'm a virtual collector, so I have thousands of games and shit, but yeah, I have Pokemon cards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I don't really adhere to the Marie Kondo thing of like, does it spark joy? But I kind of do. It's like, if, if it makes you happy, yeah. it's worth having in your life. Yeah. But there's so much that I have that's just there. Well, here's the thing is that, um, there's maybe a little bit too much information, whatever. Um, some of my stuff is going to be in storage for a while. Okay. So I'm trying to now strategically plan for it going, do I need this gaming monitor or should I sell it? Yeah. Cause it's not going to hold this value. Yeah. So it's going to decrease. So I'm like the soonest I'm going to be able to touch this again is 
probably in a year. Therefore, I should sell. So yeah, exactly. it's that kind of weird mentality. But I just wanted to kind of bring that up because not a lot of people are thinking about their lifestyle and consumer. And my kind of personal goals, I always want people to kind of take away with some wisdom. Yeah, is uh, just try not to buy so much. Stuff. I think that's a great point of view, and I think you don't buy things that aren't genuinely bringing you joy. And yeah. that takes self-reflection because yeah. I buy things that make me happy. Yeah. But try and buy things that bring you joy that yeah. really hit that core element of like filling your cup yeah. and making you, you know, appreciate life or whatever a little yeah. bit more, not just something that pacifies you for the weekend. Yeah. Also too, is that it's good fiscal responsibility True. <laughs> cause um, you know, this is not a brag, Several houses. Motherfucker. Um, you know, I have a nice fat bank account and all that <laughs> stuff. It's the fact that you can kind of stop and realize, like, yes, I'm a consumer, but when you think about the things I buy, it's like twenty, thirty dollars. And mm. I still have that kind of fiscal fiscal uh willpower yeah. to not go over. Um, well, and it's yeah. I, I found for myself it's always easier to continue with being smart with money than it is to start over. Yeah. So I like when I've had money in saving, it's way easier to save than yeah. when you're like, I've, I've spent it or I like yeah. went between jobs and I have like less savings. Then I'm like, yeah, when I have less, it's way harder to start again than when yeah. you have a lot. But, uh, I, I highly recommend everyone setting that financial goal and stick sticking for it. Yeah. It's, it's not the fact that like, Oh, it's easy for you, John. No, or no, blah, blah, that's blah. not what I'm saying. It's all different kind of like levels is that, I was thankful that, you know, I did not, my, my family didn't come in with a lot of money. This is, if you're interested in hearing this story, we'll talk, maybe Another I can talk time, about yeah. it like a little more, but you know, my, my family is like the Republican, the right wings, like ideal immigration story. Mm. You came here with almost nothing and you worked your way up mm. to like everything. Cause my dad, when he came here, mm. he did not have a degree, didn't have a diploma or anything like that. Yep. He bought a convenience store. That's how we immigrated. Oh, wow. And then he worked his way up yep. to get a CGA or just a CPA now, certified professional accountant. I see. He owned several houses, he taught, taught me all these things. And like, if you're like a right wing conservative or a Republican or whatever, he's like, yes, the Tan family, that is uh, that is good people. It's like, well, it's more it's, complex. It's more that. complex than that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's. That's something. If people want to hear that story, or maybe some background information on both of us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, until then, follow us on Twitter at Let's Wing It Pod. Now, Let's Wing It Pod. Patreon is patreon.com slash Let's Wing It. Yeah, shout out to all the patrons. Thank you. Everybody. Yeah, the four people. Think, you know, it's small right now, but it's growing. Yep. And you guys can have the bragging rights of being the four first one. Yeah, the four. We'll yeah. give you a special badge or some shit. Yeah, I we'll give it with some a special badge for the first twenty. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm probably gonna ask Jillian to like revamp a lot of stuff. Sure. And also, uh, I will say this publicly: we gotta go talk to Sarah. So. Yeah, we really have. <laughs> yeah. I want like the. I was kind of contemplating this. I'm like, oh, I should push the podcast harder, but I'm actually genuinely think that's the right thing to do to wait a little bit. Yeah. Get a body of work and then start pushing because yeah. you don't want people to like check it out and be like, oh, there's only a couple episodes. Okay, but you want like it's fine. them to get hooked. Yeah. And I'm, you want them to be a lot I'm, for them I'm to I'm still with. learning a lot. Mm -hmm. And I mean, talking to, thankfully, of one of my coworkers, Alex Wolf. He runs a sports podcast. Cool. And I'm learning a lot. Hell yeah. So, yeah, no, 
I think, yeah, there's a lot of couple feature episodes I want to do. Mm-hmm. We're all not going to be topical. Well, no. not like trending topics. Yeah. Um, the next one I want to do, I actually started Picard again. I'm up going, I'm catching I, up on Picard for I, Picard I, season three is in two. I weeks. didn't watch season two for the, here's the reason. Yeah. It's like, oh, fucking Q. <laughs> it's like, okay, wait, save it. Yeah. We'll tell, we yeah. won't, I don't think it'll be a main topic, but yeah. I'm, I am working. I haven't never finished season one. Yeah. Uh, so I started over. Oh, yeah. So I got so mad. I got so mad. We'll save it. We'll yeah, save yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I'm working on that. So if you guys want to keep up with the show, yeah. maybe check can, out Picard one and can, two. Can you promise me watch Lower Decks at least? Uh, how much of it do I have to watch? How many seasons is there? There's like those three seasons. How many episodes? Twenty. Ten each. Twenty-two minute episodes. Yeah. I'll watch a season. Just, just it's, it's not it's not the the Star Trek that you want, mm-hmm. but it's a good homage, and also they have you know pretty good stories. Okay. it's like it's kind of like realistic. Okay, I promise yeah. I will watch a season of it. That's yeah. ten. That's no. Okay, okay, watch the, watch the first one. Watch the first one before next uh, next podcast. Sure, yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, I love Star Trek. Cool. Love Star Trek. All right, thanks guys. Bye. I love you.